This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. It is Friday the 13th. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. We have a great show coming up. It's game day for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the Argos tonight. I hope to see you at IG Field. Eddie Tate's going to join us a little bit later on today to set up tonight's matchup between the 1-0 Argos and the 1-0 Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And before that, I've been talking about, uh, I think regular listeners know, I haven't been as geek for an interview as our first one today in a very long time because Winnipeg's own Desiree Scott is back in the peg with an Olympic gold medal and she will join us to talk about the incredible triumph of the Canadian women's national team in Tokyo, as well as the journey to get there, what it was like watching those penalty kicks, the celebration, coming back to Winnipeg, and what's next for Desiree? She goes back to resume her professional career down in Kansas City after a little bit of a victory lap in uh, her hometown of Winnipeg over the course of this week. So Desiree Scott coming up in about 15 minutes or so. As always, we're brought to you by our great family of sponsors, including Canadian Club. And stick around to everyone that's with us on the YouTube stream. We will be doing another marble race at the end. We've got a great I Love Rye package from our newest sponsor, Canadian Club. And um, we'll, uh, it'll be a great way to finish off what should be a really fun program. Royal Sports, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocore, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And just quickly, a big shout-out to Pitt Turan and the gang at Aikens. Since we left a few weeks ago, they have been shut down. If it wasn't the pandemic, then it was forest fires. Thankfully, they got a little bit of rain, and um, they're back at it just in time for the border to open in a few days and get business going again. So a uh, special shout-out to our friends over at Aikens Lake. Uh, all right, let's get Michael Remus in here because whew, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, you know, of course, we basically spent quite a bit of time yesterday discussing the Andrew Kopp signing. And Andrew Kopp spoke yesterday uh, about 6 p.m. We'll have some of Kopp's comments a little bit later on. And fingers crossed, might have Andrew Kopp join us on the program next week. Uh, but the big news today was the organization making some pretty significant announcements to honor arguably the greatest jet. Ducky himself, Dale Howarchuk, with a statue in True North Square downtown and renaming Graham Avenue uh, between, what is it, Carlton and Donald, Dale Howarchuk Way, honorary Dale Howarchuk Way. Let's get Remus in here. And um, Remo, lots to talk about right off the bat, but um, I think we have to start off with the announcement that the Winnipeg Jets made today, and it was just one of many, uh, but no bigger one than Dale Howarchuk permanently honored as a man that gave so much to the organization and the city of Winnipeg during his time here as a Winnipeg Jet. Absolutely, Huss. And I love this initiative. I love what they're doing uh, to honor the past here. You know, the Jets have been around in the 2.0 form for over 10 years now. And I think, you know, as a, as a, I don't want to say a franchise because it's technically not the same, but as an NHL city that has a hockey history, I think you it's important to honor that. And, you know, I've just from going to other cities, like I was at a White Sox game in Chicago and they have a number of statues around the concourse and in front of the stadium honoring World Series teams or Hall of Fame players. Um, I was going to, you know, been to games in Seattle and they just put up a Ken Griffey Jr. statue. I think this is really important. 
um, to honor your past. As, and that was on one of the license plates that they unveiled. And I think this is just the start of, you know, many more, uh, you know, positive things to come. And what better person to start off with um, than Dale Howardchuk? And uh, I think this is awesome. And you, you know, saw how emotional Mark Chipman was, you know, reading yeah. the speech. He had to stop for a bit. How much, it just shows how much um, Dale meant to so many people here in the city. So I think this is really exciting stuff. And, you know, they talked about the person who is making the statue. I mean, they didn't just get some someone who's never done a statue before. This guy has done iconic statues like the Gretzky one, Edmonton, like Legends Row in Toronto. So this is going to be, I think, a big deal. You know, something that's on display at, at, you know, True North Square across from the arena, something, you know, you can go and visit, you can take a picture in front of, and again, honors uh, the history of pro hockey in Winnipeg. Yeah, it was a um, it was an emotional uh, announcement, and, and you know Mark is a guy that got very close to Dale, and I think realizes his importance. And the fact that Dale Howardchuk embraced this organization and did so much for the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 um, when he was coaching the uh, uh, Ontario Hockey League, the connection with Mark Shifley, of course, and um, you know just such a huge part. And I, I think part of this. Um, I'm not sure if things would have been different last year because, of course, it was the 10 year anniversary. Um, but there were no fans in the building. So I think all of their plans, for the most part, the 10th anniversary plan sort of went out the window. Um, you know, we had Kyle Ballhari on. I mean, he and the, the the staff there have done an incredible job with the Jets Legend Series, which, you know, I think is something that will live on for Jet fans and be able to go back and, you know, see the great history of the first 10 years. But as you're seeing on the screen right now, I mean, that connection with the Jets history and number 10, um, it is Dale Howard, Chuck, and you know, we lost him. Uh, it was a, a heavy moment for hockey fans, and, and I think even more than just hardcore Jet fans. I mean, people that you know, are of a certain age that just remember what a superstar Dale Howard, Chuck, was and how important he was to this city, um, losing him. But, you know, as Mark said, that he and Zinger were able to tell him before he passed that this was going to happen, and that, I think, made it even a more emotional time for uh, Mark Chipman today announcing it, um, you know, just with the, the fact that they were able to talk to him and how that resonated with Dale before he passed. So um, absolute, you know, credit to everybody involved with this. It was first class, and I had no doubt that when they did something like this for Dale Howardchuk, it would be exactly that. Um, and the statue, uh, the renaming of it. And, and there's some other things, too. There's going to be a, a Memorial Pond Hockey Tournament out at Camp Manitou, which, um, you know, will be quite interesting, Remus. But the bottom line is Dale Howardchuk, an icon of Winnipeg Jets history, will be honored going forward. And it sort of did tie into a little bit more of a connection with the history, some new Jet uh, Heritage license plates uh, that you, might, you can stick on your whip. And... I mean, the other thing that, um, you know, we're going to be looking forward to, you know, on top of all of that is, um, you know, in addition to those games is the fact that, um, you know, Dale Howardchuk is going to be, you know, honored with that, um, with the statue, but also the Heritage Classic jerseys, and this was very popular with Winnipeg Jet fans, are now the official third jersey, Remus, the uh, Aviators are in the clearance rack. The aviators will not be the third jersey anymore, and Jet fans are going to be able to see, I believe, 14 times next season the blue heritage will be worn. And um, to me, those are some of the best uniforms in all of sports. Um, Another thing that has basically been universally welcomed with praise by the Jets as their incredible offseason continues. Yeah, yeah, a couple a couple things coming out. One of them, yeah, the heritage uni is going to be worn 14 times this year, and the Aviator Juniors j- jerseys, bye bye. Uh, to be honest, when the Aviator Juniors 
jerseys came out, I was pretty underwhelmed. Um, but as it went on, they definitely grew on me. But they've been on clearance in you know number of stores for a long time, so you felt like they were on the way out. We didn't know what was going to replace it, but it was clear to everyone <laughs> that the Jets Heritage jerseys, home and away, among the best jerseys in the NHL. When you have a jersey that I want to say fire us, as the kids are saying, that fire, uh, oh, yeah. you have to you have to deploy it. And going back, you know, I wonder if they, you know, it's just such a sick jersey. I wonder if they continue to increase the games on that thing. Uh, the Oilers should take a page um, from the Jets oh, by making yeah. <laughs> by making their heritage. They announced like some garbage jerseys, but the Jets, well done on the heritage jerseys. Um, I got a picture of those license plates too. So I think, you know, universally everyone's like, oh, these are the best jerseys. So um, here I can pull up the license plates. We do have um, the street us, Dale Howard, Chuck Way. Over here, um, on Graham, between Donald and what is that? Uh, Carlton. Carlton. Yeah. They're gonna have uh, the sign there. Pretty awesome. And uh, let me pull up those license plates too. But this is for the people on YouTube. If you're on the co- on the podcast, ha, too bad. You're yeah. gonna have to. You're gonna have to <laughs> hop over to YouTube or the our visuals, social media. The visuals don't quite work as well in a yeah. uh, in an audio only setting. Um, but yes, if you are a regular podcast listener, give us a good rating and review. If you don't mind, that always helps drop the five star and a little nice word about the program, but you can always come back at any time and watch all the programs on YouTube. I've got a great crew in here already for YouTube today. Welcome everyone. Hit that like button if you can, and, uh, make sure if you aren't already that you are subscribed. Um, couple other things coming out as you want to throw those out. Um, in addition to Mark Chipman making the announcements, um, it was great to see a number of the alumni, including Dale Howarchuk's close friend and a man that came to Winnipeg at the same t- time, drafted in the same year, Scott Arneal, who spoke today. Um, we saw Mike Ford, Perry Miller, who um, I found out today, his lovely daughter is one of our most hardcore regulars in the WST chat. Looking at you, Taylor. Great to see you there. Um, as you can see on the screen right there are the... Uh, the license plates, you can get them through your MPI broker starting on September 13th. And those are absolutely sharp. Honoring the honor the past, the Jets heritage license plate with the old logo that you see uh, on it. So, um, you know, overall, it was a pretty exciting day. Um, uh, Craig Heisinger was there. Got a chance to see Scott Brown, Kyle Ball, Harry, a bunch of the guys I hadn't seen for a while. And because I had to go in to do the Rod Peterson show, I didn't get a, ha- a chance to hang around and have, you know, long conversations. But I did see general manager Kevin Dayoff. Um, And, you know, at times over, I mean, this is a very tough and very stressful job. And at times, even last season, at times seems like, you know, Chevy was wearing it. Um, he's feeling it right now. And he should be. <laughs> I think there's a great, great feeling around the organization with everything that's happened on the off season. And then you combine that with the announcements today, celebrating the incredible career and contributions of Dale Howarchuk. And honestly, Remus, I mean, even the people that have been the most critical of the jets management, true North, all of that. Uh, I can never remember, honestly, since the team came here, such almost a collective excitement and agreement that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets have knocked it out of the park with just about everything they've done this year. First and foremost, it was about the player movement and the personnel and the additions on the, onto the blue line. But even today uh, and this week, 
week. I mean, the you know the the great response for the most part to the announcement of how they were going to get fans in with the vaccination rules, and then this today. Um, it's been one great move after another for the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, I think that will all bode very very well for the hockey club and the hockey fans here. Is um, we look to get people back in the building to get back in the season at Canada Life Center after a couple of well, 18 plus months without fans in the building. Yeah, I remember the beginning of the, you know, uh, post or off season, I guess. You're like, how is Chevy going to do this? How is he going to rebuild the defense? How are you going to get quality players to sign in Winnipeg? Well, you don't have to convince. Well, they did a convince one player to waive his no trade clause. I guess it's easy when, um, you know, you're leaving Vancouver, which seems to be uh, they're stuck in neutral, I think, Vancouver. For, uh, that's Nate Schmidt I was referring to. But they <laughs> traded for traded for Dylan. I mean, you take advantage of teams that are up against the cap. You use some of your draft capital to try and win. Um, Neil Pionk, I think that was... I mean, they signed him to a you know me- midterm deal, which I think was good for all parties. And Andrew Kopp was the one we were kind of nervous about. How was it going to go? And we're going to play his comments after Ed Tate. I, I, you know, I liked what he had to say. I think he's an honest guy. He says what he's feeling. And uh, he got the one year, and I think him and his agent saw, you know, that everyone else what was available for cap space, and they're like, okay, this kind of is just where we where we fit right now. And um, cops going for the one year, and we'll try to cash in next year, whether it's uh, an extension with the Jets on January first, or he takes it all the way to UFA and and moves on and takes a big payday. I remember um, like Brandon Tanev was maybe the I don't want to say a comparable, but another player, you know, who the Jets. Had you know on his you know entry level first couple of years, you know, kind of I don't want to say priced himself out, but um, he was a guy who took a big free agent deal with uh, Pittsburgh now with Seattle, and I wonder if Andrew Kopp is another guy who you know gets a paid somewhere else and sees an elevated role. As look, the Jets top six us, it's pretty, it's pretty loaded uh, right now. It's pretty, the positions are filled, and Andrew Kopp's fit in nicely on a th- on a third line role. But has he you know priced himself out of the role that he's uh, playing with the Jets? Well, you know what? Hey, they kick it down the can. There's the potential that he leaves for nothing. There's the potential that he leaves for nothing at the end of the season. But as we've talked about for the last two days, both speculating on how it would turn out and yesterday after we found out that it's a one-year deal, I mean, this is what makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets right now. I mean, you could trade Andrew Kopp and get, get something for him, absolutely. But where does that leave you for this season? This team expects to contend. I mean, they want to contend. And Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry are um you know part of one of the best third lines checking lines or whatever you want to call it in the National Hockey League and uh, a unit that is really leaned on heavily by coach Paul Maurice so um you know what sometimes you will have players that'll leave uh, over the course of you know the you know free agency but i mean if the Winnipeg Jets get six or seven years strong years out of Andrew Kopp and he goes somewhere for more money because they don't have the cap to sign him that's just how the business works but i i i love this deal I think that Andrew Kopp's going to be incredibly motivated to have another monster season, to be on television sets deep into the playoffs, which can only help his case going forward. And of course, you know, be part of a team that, you know, I think everyone in the mix, and, you know, we'll hear from his comments a little later on, even though the money was drying up as a player, you have to be excited with the other guys that have come into Winnipeg that have been added to the Jet roster, especially on the blue line. So um, exciting times for the Winnipeg Jets. And what can you say about Shovel Dayoff? I mean, I think we just saw Nicole in the chat, Remus, say we may need another raising of the offseason champions banners because both on the ice and off the ice, the Winnipeg Jets have been knocking it out of the park. Um, We will get to the Bombers and Argos coming up in a few minutes. 
we will also, I mean, what a crazy end to the Field of Dream games between the Yankees and the Sox. We'll get to that a little bit later on. We do have Andrew Kopp coming up. And for those of you that are with us on the YouTube channel, make sure to stick around. We've got a special giveaway at the end of the program for Canadian Club. Um, and speaking of Canadian Club, we will see you at the Bomber game tonight, that Jim Beam social area with the uh, uh, Brugal Rum Hut, the Jim Beam Stillhouse certainly will be the place to be. I uh, want to see some of you guys cheers in a few CCs. And look for me. I should have some more Winnipeg Sports Talk koozies for you. So if you can find me, ask me for them. Uh, we'll get them out as many as I can until they are gone. Um, so great to have Canadian Club on with us. We're going to be doing a number of game day giveaways as they are the official spirit and sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So stick around at the end and uh, make sure you mix in a CC if you're having a cocktail at some point this weekend. Um, great to see Greg from Royal Sports last night and a couple with him watching the football game after it was uh, finished work for the day. They have been very, very busy. And we talked about all the Canada soccer gear that's flying off the shelves we still want those personalized jerseys for our gold medal winning team, uh, but they have a ton of stock more than anywhere in the city. And while you're there, you can check out the Jets merch, get some bomber gear for tonight. Uh, not to mention the camping, soccer, baseball, hockey equipment, and a great bike section. It's all there at Royal Sports, 650 Rally and EK and 750 Pembina Highway. And, uh, we had some fun yesterday with that dude that drove the helicopter to the Dairy Queen in rural Saskatchewan to pick up the ice cream cake. But as the Nick and Nikki D crew group will tell you, sometimes you got to go to certain lengths to get the good stuff. And that, of course, is Dairy Queen. Pop by and see them at DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ St. Anne's or DQ Polo Park. Got the blizzards, great burgers. And if you're having an event, get a DQ cake. Be the hero. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You can uh, make your order in advance and just pop by and pick them. A big shout out to our friends Nick and Nikki for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right. I've been talking about this for, well, for well more than a week. I was telling all of you to get up at three in the morning to watch our team play in Tokyo. And man, was it worth it. Um, just a magical run for our Canadian women's national team. And I'm, I, I would be hard pressed to find another athlete that has captivated sports fans and made this city prouder than our next guest. First time ever, I'm able to introduce her as Olympic champion, gold medalist Desiree Scott of the Canadian Women's National Team, joining us for the first time in our new home here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Des, it is so great to have you. How are you? And congratulations. Oh, I'm doing so well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back in the peg, talking to favorite people. It's good. I'm feeling good. Well, it is. Um, everyone's fired up to have you. Needless to say, the congratulations are coming in. Uh, I'm sure it's been an absolute whirlwind for you. Before we go back to Tokyo and everything that led up to this and your great career, uh, what was it like coming back to James A. Richardson Airport, getting that uh, welcome from friends and family? And uh, how have the last few days been like as you've done your own little victory lap here in the peg? No, it's been great. I mean, all my friends and family were there. People I pl used to play with, old coaches, you know, the very important people in my life who I couldn't have got to where I am without them. So it was great to see them cheering and chanting and just so excited for me to be back. Um, haven't slept so much in the last few days. It's been a whirlwind, but. I, that's to be expected, and I'm just relishing all these moments for sure. I, I have to ask you, I mean, uh, you got back pretty quickly. I mean, we were watching you guys on Friday morning, which of course was later, if I'm not mistaken, in Tokyo. Um, How much time did you spend in Tokyo uh, before you were on a plane coming back to Canada? 
Yeah, a few of us decided to stay for the closing ceremony. So we had about two days in the village to sort of take in that Olympic experience, celebrate our gold medal. And then it was on a plane back to our respective cities. Hey, um, you know, as a three-time Olympian and a three-time Olympic medalist, um, you know, like everyone in this world, everything was so different. Um, how uh, how would you categorize what the Olympic Village was like and the Olympic experience this year as opposed to Rio and London? Yeah, I get, obviously we're living in a pandemic and I thought the COC, the IOC did a fantastic job of making the village feel still like an Olympic Village, but safe at the same time. Obviously, everyone was wearing masks, tons of hand sanitizer stations everywhere and just like having to be smart but it's they did a good job of still making it feel like a village um desiree i i, I want to go back um because it has been it was nine years hard to believe 2012 where your team really i think burst onto you know the national stage as you know kind of captured the hearts of canadians you know, with that game against the United States where everyone knows you guys were screwed with one of the worst calls that's ever taken place. Um, but that that team had you and Christine Sinclair on it. You were the lone members that managed to go through nine years and come back. When you look back at, you know, that incredible matchup and what you were able to accomplish there, um, how do you, would you describe the journey for you and your teammates, and especially you and Christine Sinclair, what you've been now teaming up with another young generation of young women that you guys really inspired, starting back with that uh, great bronze medal run? Yeah, I think anyone who follows our Canadian team remembers that 2012 semifinal. I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, I think our team, you just, over the last nine years, it's been great to still be involved and just see the growth of our program. Um, in 2012, we were kind of just that defensive rock that we you know, stand by and really just relied on Christine Sinclair for our attack. And what you're seeing now through the years is the growth of, you know, our creators. There's more than just Christine Sinclair who's scoring our goals. We're getting, you know, the Jesse Flemings who are creative in the midfield, Janine Beckys and Michelle Prince is up top. Like we're an attacking threat now, which is super exciting to see as we continue our journey over those nine years. And then still that defensive rock that we pride ourselves on, a team that's super hard to beat, but then adding those attacking elements, which is just so exciting. And you speak of the young ones, they they were inspired by that 2012 game. And now they're, they're got a gold medal around their neck and they're, they're scoring winning goals for the team as well. So it's just, you're seeing the evolution of our program and just the young ones stepping up and soon to be, you know, veteran players. Olympic gold medalist Desiree Scott with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I would just want to ask so many questions about the tournament. I mean, uh, we had talked a lot about, you know, the Olympics and, you know, there's so many different events, but, you know, your squad and what you were going to be able to do is a real focus, certainly of us here. Um, before even the tournament started, I mean, many of you guys are playing, you're in Kansas City. I mean, women are playing all around the world. How much time did you have together beforehand? I mean, give us a little bit of an idea about when the team came together and how much preparation you had before you uh, and the team, your teammates went over to Japan. Yeah, so COVID obviously didn't allow us to have as much time on the grass together as a team as we would have liked. Um, we were apart for a year before we got together for the first time for the She Believes Cup in February of 2021. So we got a tournament experience with that. Um, then we all went back to our clubs and then we had Olympic pre-camp, which was about three weeks prior to heading to Tokyo. So we got a good month and a half together leading into that tournament, which was solid, um, a grind for sure. We spent some time in L.A. in the heat trying to get used to that Tokyo, you know, humidity and temperature. And then, yeah, off to Tokyo we went. I had no idea Japan was so hot, to be honest with you. I mean, what was it like for a player? 
Um, I have a hard time running for 90 minutes in general. Then you add that intense humidity and like plus 30, 35 degrees. Um, it was some of the hottest weather I've ever dealt with. I remember having to like wring out my jersey and my shorts were like falling off of me just because I was drenched in sweat. And that's after I had changed at halftime. So hottest heat, but we we managed and we got through. Um, you go into the opening round. What were the expectations for the club? And we'd heard the motto was to change the color of the medal. Um, just get, being an Olympic medalist in, you know, the world game is an incredible accomplishment, but, um, you guys sort of felt that it was time to, uh, get up a step or two on that podium. Exactly. Yeah. In our pre-camp, we had our first team meeting and we spoke about, you know, what is our mission for this Olympics Um, and keeping it realistic as well, you know, and leading into one coming from a pandemic, not training in the best environments all the time. But we have two back to back bronzes, which we are so proud of. But we said, we know, we we want to get back on that podium, which is a huge feat. But we want to hear our hear our flag, hear our anthem and see our flag rise was sort of our big thing. Change that color, get to that final final match and so that was sort of our our gear and our fire for all of our training leading into that tournament and I think our pool was not easy it was like our tournament journey was one of the hardest ones I think we've had and you know to have the opening match against Japan the host nation who's a technical strong side I mean there was no easy game in our group stage at all well there wasn't and before we get to the elimination the quarter the semi and the final um take us through um you know how you felt you started and um what you guys built on what you accomplished in those first three matches for sure yeah I mean the first game against Japan, it was an intense game. We knew we had to be defensively strong. Sinky scored in the opening five minutes. So we were like, okay, this is starting off like a little bit too, too well. Um, and then we ended up tying that match, um, which we were okay with, but we always talk about growing through a tournament. So we got the nerves out. It wasn't our best performance. The next game we knew we were able to potentially play against Chile, rest some players, um, sort of bring our attacking prowess in that game and sort of just keep building game by game um, as we grow through the tournament, as we say. Um, and yeah, then we went into the Great Britain match, which again, are a tough, tough opponent when we had played in um, previous games and it was always a toe-to-toe match, uh, top tier nation. And we knew we had to be at our best for that. I was in the stands for that. So was Sinky. We were resting for to potentially get out of the group stage and save our legs as best we could. Um, but our team just sort of just kept building and growing through the tournament and and getting better with every game. And the nerves started to to fade away and we've got built some confidence as well. Well, speaking of nerves, I had none at the end of the quarterfinal, um, like many Canadians that were up in the middle of the night watching that game. Um, you know, Brazil. I mean, you know, when you you think of Brazil in soccer, the way you think of Canada in hockey, um, yeah. it was an incredible match. And of course, it ends up going to extra time. You play the full 120. And then it's time for penalty kicks. And if people didn't realize what your goaltender, Steph, Steph LaBay, was made of, I think they found out very quickly watching those penalty kicks. But take us through what it was like being on the sideline, seeing, of all people, Christine Sinclair miss on the first shot, Brazil go up, and and then LaBay saves on the fourth and fifth shots to keep you in and then put you into the semifinal match. Yeah, I despise PKs. So I'm like, can we please just finish this the 90? And then we were going to the overtime. You're fatigued. You're stressed. As the clock's going down, you're like, oh, PKs are next if we don't like get a goal here. So I was stressed the entire time, but just trying to like help my team. Um, and my coach knows I will not take a PK. So I, <laughs> I'm just so stressed about it. But um, yeah, a roller coaster of emotions. You know, you have our captain, Christine, misses, unfortunately, but we have other great penalty takers. And Steph Labbe is like, 
unbelievable for me. I think she just loves those moments and completely shined between those posts during the PK shootout against the Brazilians. And we knew she had a save in her, but man, oh man, it was just the most intense roller coaster of emotions I've ever experienced. You know, it was so funny. We obviously talk a lot of hockey on this program and a lot about the Winnipeg Jets and, you know, in some conversations with friends, it seemed like Labe gave your team and fans of the team that sort of confidence you have when, you know, much like Jet fans have when they see Connor Hellebuck standing on his head the way he has beforehand. From a player, even when you're as helpless as one can be, standing on the sidelines or there with your teammates watching what happens, having a special player with that sort of attitude and the fight in her for a goaltender, I'm sure, is uh, about as calming as it can be, although it's still probably very nerve-wracking. Exactly. And I know we have 100% confidence in Steph. And when we whistle blew and we knew we were going to PKs, we were like, we got this. We're good. Because we knew Steph was back there and she just lives for those moments and is so confident in her PK, you know, techniques and styles. So it was nerve wracking, but we knew she had it. Uh, So you guys get through. Um, White knuckle ride. And then you're off to the semifinals. You know, you'll be playing for a medal. And Team USA is waiting for you in the semifinals. This has been, and you know, all credit where credit is due. They have raised the bar. They have been the best team in the world. Um, And they've been a nemesis of Canada for a very long time. How were you and your teammates feeling going into this matchup? And uh, what was your focus going in uh, when you were at another shot at knocking off the number one team in the world? Yeah, all respect to the American team. I think you have to give them that respect and credit for what they've done for the for soccer in general and being number one in the world. So for us, that rivalry is not, you know, something to take lightly. We definitely feel that. Um, but we're also very familiar with the U.S. team. We played them multiple multitude of times. So we knew what to expect, but we also knew it was going to be a game we were going to get up for, um, one we we're going to put our bodies on the line for. You know, we wanted to beat them. That was on my bucket list <laughs> in my entire career. I like I, we've gotten close, but we've never beaten them. And so we knew we wanted to give absolutely everything. Our goal of changing the color of the medal relied on us winning this match. So it just really fueled our fire. Um, we obviously don't love the American team. And so that really just really pushed us to to want to be our best and work hard for one another and, and get to that gold medal game. Well, I mean, like anyone that followed this team throughout the tournament, there was many um, very nervous moments and there was probably very many emotional moments where the eyes were welling up. Um, I had one of those when Christine Sinclair was subbed off and was putting the captain's armband on you in those final minutes of that game against the U.S. And then when you won down in your knees, I mean, tell us what it was like when you finally realized that this game is actually over. We are going to the gold medal game. Yeah, I have chills just hearing you speak about it. Yeah, I mean, such an honor to to help lead the team as, you know, Christine Sinclair does so well. The fact she has that sort of faith in me and the team does, I think is incredible. Um, such an honor. And then, yeah, I just remember when the whistle blew. I just, <laughs> I was just so in awe in shock. Like, I just remember, again, falling to my knees. It's like that iconic photo, but um, just overwhelmed with joy and, like, shocked that we are going to the gold medal match. Just, like, and that we beat the Americans, like, something that we haven't done before. So just a culmination of all these things we've never done before in one sort of moment. You guys have won a lot of matches um, over the course of your career. What was it like in the dressing room after the semifinal win over the United States? I love a good dance party and normally it's just it's just me trying to get my teammates up but I'm telling you everyone was on their feet we were cheering we were celebrating like it like we've never celebrated before I mean what an incredible moment for our team 
you know, um, you know, people maybe a little bit older that have seen the movie Miracle. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, you could make some comparisons to that USA hockey team in 1980 because the the best team in the world were the Russians, and they beat them, and that's the incredible game that everyone remembers. But that wasn't the final. That was the semifinal. There was still another game to play, and they ended up beating the Finns in, in the gold medal game. You guys had to, you know, listen, be happy that you kind of got it done, but the job wasn't finished. Um, and again, you were a pretty sizable underdog going in against the Swedes. Tell us about the time in between winning that game against the United States and going out for the biggest game in all of you and your teammates' lives. Yeah, exactly as you said. We celebrated almost like it was a final match for us because we were so excited. Um, but we said to all, everyone take the night, enjoy this moment, relish in it, and then do as much as you can to recover. We had three days until our until the gold medal match. So it was all about recovery, rest, um, also just like scouting the Swedish team, how we could find their weaknesses and our strengths and how we could beat them. But really, it was all about just getting our bodies right um, after a very intense match against the U.S. So we get to the gold medal game. First off, tell us about the time change. And and selfishly, I was maybe the happiest person. Well, a lot of people here and with us today were because that game was originally supposed to start at like nine o'clock our time, which happened to be the same night as the bomber home opener with 30,000 people. And we were all going to be watching on our phones and then it switched. But take us behind the scenes. What were you and your teammates talking about? Why was that important and how did it get done? Yeah, so our game was scheduled for 11 a.m. Tokyo time, which would have been one of the hottest games I've ever played in. When we woke up, it was like already 40 degrees. I think for game time, it would have been 43 with the humidity. So like uncanny heat. And I can't imagine playing a gold medal match in that kind of, you just can't play the way you want to play in that kind of heat. So we had talked the night before that there was a potential for um, the game to be rescheduled to a different time. And it was just like hour by hour. We kept checking our WhatsApp messaging, like there's a game change. And we didn't find out till 8 p.m. the night before that our game was actually being swat switched. So um, we stood on guard. We were like, OK, if we're playing at 11, be ready. But we were fingers crossed for that game change for 9 p.m. And it it worked out. So uh, what was game day like? I mean, you don't have a lot of 9 p.m. games. That probably was a lot of nervous energy for you and the women. Totally. A lot of nerves, um, but a lot of nap time as well. So you had the day to sort of just chill out, relax, deal with the emotions of the game. And then we had an hour bus ride to the stadium. So you just kind of put your music in, get ready and and just enjoying the moments. It's it's ones we won't get back. I think that was a big theme of our team is just enjoying every moment. Desiree Scott from the Canadian Women's National Team, the Olympic champions with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I'm sure that never gets old to get introduced that way. Um you go into the gold medal game. You've already achieved the goal of changing the color of the medal. But, you know, once you get there, you may as well win the whole damn thing. Uh, before we'll get to the penalty shoot in a second. Take us through the game, though. The first 90 minutes falling behind, coming back in the ups and downs of a game with so much pressure. Totally. And it was a game, I think, of ups and downs. We came out a bit flat, I would say. Um, and Sweden, you know, was on us attacking wise. And I remember going in at halftime being like, we got to do something different. We got to switch it up. And then we had a good team talk in the huddle in the halftime. And I remember just a different team coming out in the second half. And we really started to impose ourselves offensively, really making those tackles defensively being hard to break down. Um, and then we tied it up, which was great with a PK call, which was fantastic. And um, Christine earning that for us. And yeah, again, back to overtime, which we were like, oh, our legs are dead. Like this tournament is one of the hardest tournaments um, I've ever played in, to be fair, with the heat, with the back to back games in such a short span of time. And then to go into overtime in the gold medal match. I mean, 
What a way to what a way to finish. <laughs> no doubt about it. I, I gotta ask you, I mean, on two occasions, Christine Sinclair was handed the ball. It's Christine Sinclair. No one's put it into the back of the net more than her on the planet. And she hands off to Jesse Fleming. Um, is that something you guys expected? Is that a decision that's just made there? Or is that something you guys know? If there is a PK, she's going to do it. And uh, what were you thinking? Yeah, I think we have like our, we have three PK takers that are potentials in a match. Christine Sinclair, obviously one of them, Jesse Fleming as well. And I think Christine is the goat for a reason, but I think it's if she's feeling it or not. You know, she may missed a PK earlier in the tournament. She maybe wasn't as confident. And Jesse Fleming stood up. That took the pressure on and and really just honed in on her her skill and finished the job. So um, a little tactic by Sinky, I would say. Now, you guys are uh, watching it go to penalties. The the final seconds tick off, and all of a sudden, you're going to the spot five times for an Olympic gold medal. Um, it did not go well for Canada through about three or four. I, I imagine you're probably sitting there thinking about what you guys were able to do against Brazil. Um, and then there's Steph LeBay just smiling down her opponents. Um, I mean, I don't even know if you can describe it, but I mean, take us through what you're sitting there thinking with an Olympic gold medal on the line and some of the most incredible drama you'll see in sports. A hundred percent, like just the most dramatic game of my life. I mean, just the highs, the lows, the burst of emotion. And like my eyes were closed for half of it. I was nauseous. Like I was on the sideline with Sinky. We both had, were subbed out prior to the PK shootout. And I just remember being like, I can't watch. I can't watch. Like you're when you're that close and you know, things are go- balls going over the sky, like being saved. It was just so intense. I can't really put words into it, but Again, confident with Steph. I'm like, she's going to make a save. She's going to make a save. Like, we have that in her. We knew she we, we knew she was living for this moment, so. Well, and, I mean, the Swedish captain with the win on her foot puts it over. But I think that speaks to how good both of the goaltenders were. I mean, you know, the, the, the goal scorers had to, had to put it in the right spot. And, you know, for all the talk, deservedly so, about Julia Grosso scoring the winning goal, the one thing that I think has been totally overlooked, and I'm sure you agree, is the fifth penalty by Rose. With, I mean, if that doesn't go in, it's over. Yep. And for her to put it in that spot, I mean, there wasn't a lot of room on the crossbar. There wasn't a lot of room on the post. Um, the composure that she had in that moment sometimes gets lost when you go to other kicks, but I'm sure it wasn't amongst you and your teammates. Absolutely not. I hyped her up so much after that shot and in the locker room after the game. Like, what a... Top corner, upper 90. It couldn't have been better. And under that, that kind of pressure, kudos to her. Um, so then, Julia Grosso, um, with the win on her foot, it goes in. Take it from there. Yeah, I mean, nail-biting. Like, we were all just holding on to each other. And, like, it's like time slowed down. And then the keeper almost, like, got a hand on it. I can't remember exactly. But I just remember, boom, in the back of the net. And then just this explosion of emotion, just sprinting out on the field i'm screaming i'm crying the huddle we're all in a big pile and in that moment knowing that we had won gold like i it still has not sort of solidified in my brain what we've done well um you know it took a little while but later on you're on the podium and you know i mean the only thing really that was missing was a full stadium of fans but you all knew that that's what the, the way it was going to be um what was it like, you know, you're sitting there in the middle of the row, you're seeing your teammates get these gold medals. And then of course, because of the protocols, teammates are putting on each other. I can't remember whether you got it put on. I think Christine put it on you, right? That was the yes. uh, the way that it went. Um, I mean, wh- 
what a perfect moment. I, mean, I don't think you could have written any better. I mean, what was it like watching those uh, medals come down the row and then finally getting that thing around your neck by your great friend and longtime teammate? Yeah, just so overwhelmed with happiness. I ha- I still on people are like all you do is smile. Like I just I was so happy and I'm still so happy. Um, just the culmination of all the hard work that our team has put in and to to go out and say you're going to change the color of the medal, you want to be on the top of the podium. You can say that, but to do it and to just be there looking around, even though it was an empty stadium, just with my teammates, knowing the work that everyone put in. Christine Sinclair, who is the most humble person in the world and so, so deserved that medal. And I was just so happy for her, for my team and for her to put that on me, just like, what an honor. Just that's, yeah. Desiree, speaking of be put, being put on you, uh, if you could raise it up, everyone in the oh. chat wants to see this beautiful gold medal. Look at that. <laughs> uh, I know you had two already, but I imagine this one will get the front of the uh, front of the display case going forward. Yeah, I was saying like, when do, when should I take this off? When is it? Where is it inappropriate to wear? Like, you know, I just I'm I'm just enjoying this moment so much. <laughs> Hey, you know what? You can wear that thing anywhere, anytime for as long as you want. Once you've got it, you may as well rock it, right? Uh, what was the celebration like? Once you had the, uh, the the medals around your necks, your Olympic gold medalist, what, take it from there. What? Uh, how was the rest of the, uh, the evening for uh, you and the Olympic champs? Yeah, you know, we were like, let's get champagne and go back to the locker room. But anti-doping decided to show up. And so about six of our players had to do drug testing and make sure that we were all clean and all of that stuff. So it kind of put a damper on the mood, unfortunately, because we we're like, we're, we're a team, we're connected, we'll wait for them. And so the celebrations were kind of dim at first and the game was late. So it was like 3 a.m. until we got back to the village. The stadium was an hour away um so we were like do we sleep and go hard tomorrow or and then we just ended up staying up all night going around the olympic village just like with each other celebrating it was it was fantastic yeah no practice tomorrow girls stay up as late as you want you've earned it um let me ask you about um the decision to stay for the the closing ceremonies i mean you've been an olympian a couple times before Uh, who stayed first of all why was it important to you and how was it yeah, the majority of the team stayed, actually. So that was great. And I think um, we just wanted to not give up these moments that we have together as a team. We're truly such a tight knit team and we love one another. We work hard for each other off the field, but that's because we feel like family. Um, so we kind of just didn't want to leave and we wanted to celebrate with each other and enjoy all the moments as best we could before we took off to our respective clubs and cities. So, yeah, we just we were there and just wanted to enjoy one each other's company. Desiree, you have been such a huge part of growing the game here in the province of Manitoba from a grassroots level and have just an incredible story doing it, you know, from a grassroots level, playing at the University of Manitoba and now um, to the highest heights in in, in women's football in the world. Have you had a chance to kind of think not as much about the journey, but the impact that you and your teammates have had? and, and, And what do you hope comes out of this gold medal win down the road for the future generations of uh, women's soccer players? Yeah, I think it's hard. You know, we as Canadians are humble and you don't kind of recognize what you're doing until people are telling you or like, do you know what you've done for my daughter or whatever? So we kind of just try and be our best selves, humans and athletes, and try and inspire through who we are as people and athletes. But um, for us, I think what we what a lot of us have talked about is getting that professional league here in Canada. Um, And we're hoping, you know, with two bronze medals, the conversation started. But with a gold, I don't think you can ignore what our program has done, where it's come to. And hopefully now we can get 
some investors wanting to invest in the women's game a bit more and give those grassroots players, you know, something to look up to and dream to be in it right in their backyard with a professional league. So we're pushing for that. We're hoping people take note and, you know, we just want to continue to inspire and put Canada soccer on the map. You certainly have done that. And, and I'll tell you what, um, you know, it often happens reverse just because of, you know, the way men's and women's sports are. But I, I'm really hoping that, you know, you and your teammates will raise the game to the level that, you know, we may have, you know, some more people supporting the men's team as well. Because, you know, obviously the focus has been on you and your squad with the success that you guys have had over the past decade. Uh, but I know with someone that, you know, was such a big part of the game, um, it's an exciting time on the men's side too, with some really young talent coming in and hopefully kind of breaking through to that next level, uh, knocking on the door to, to, you know, be able to be in the world cup and to be able to compete in these big international tournaments. Totally. You know, we've been following the men going on to the hex for the first time and, you know, their gold cup run right to the semifinals. So their, their squad is doing something special right now too, under the care of John Herdman and, you know, hopefully, you know, people are taking note of Canada as a, as a whole, women's and men's program and investing in it and, you know, wanting to to really fuel our future with this program. I'm glad you mentioned Herdman. I've always wanted to ask you this. How was it received when he actually went to the men's program? And uh, tell us about Bev, the coach that many of us really sort of became familiar with over the course of these last few weeks in Japan. Yeah, John Herdman, you know, credit to what he has done for our side, especially after dead last at a 20, 2011 World Cup to then podiuming at, you know, the 2012 Olympics six months later. So he has completely changed our program. He's changed me as a player. So many of us can give props to him and what he's done for us. But um, him going to the men's side, John loves the challenge. He loves, you know, a team that needs to be sort of brought up and their identities found and really just changing, you know, how this, how they play. And I think he's done an incredible job with the men. We hated to see him go full disclosure. Didn't love it. Um, but he's doing great things over there. And now we have Bev who stepped in and really just brought that comfortability. She was an assistant coach with John before, and now she's in that head coach role. And she's really just brought sort of a simplicity to, to the program, a competitive edge where, you know, no shirt is given, you know, whether you've been on the team for 10 years or it's your first cap, like you got to earn it, which I think is great. And I think that's really instilled some of our success leading into this Tokyo games. Um, where do the, where does the national team go from here? Um, you know, it's, I mean, this is the, the pinnacle of it all. Um, but it certainly seems like there is that young generation of players that are now making an impact. Um, I imagine as someone that's been such a part of this, you know, getting to this point, it must make you incredibly crowd, proud and also excited to see what the future holds for this squad. Of course. Yeah, I'm so excited for for what the future holds. And I think we've now set sort of a standard for what we expect of one another and of this program. So I think it's just about building on this, you know, getting the infrastructure underneath to continue to have, you know, those youth players coming through who are going to infuse the program and then, you know, sort of handing on the torch when the time comes to those young ones to step up and lead the team. Uh, Desiree, um, you're uh, here for a couple more days, I guess, and then uh, off to Kansas City. Fill us in on what's next for you and uh, tell us a little bit more about the the pro league that you're playing in uh, down in Missouri. Yeah, so I'm home enjoying celebrating family and friends for a bit more. And then I'm heading to the Kansas City where my professional club is in the National Women's Soccer League. League runs until the end of October. Um, I've been there playing in that league for six-ish years now. Um, super competitive league, one of the best in the world. Players from all over come to play there. And it's, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back, back out on the pitch. 
How excited are you going to be to flash that medal in the locker room with the team when you get back? I'll be wearing it, that's for sure. They were, <laughs> they were pretty supportive, I'm not going to lie, of, of us and winning. So I can't wait to get back and celebrate. Well, this is amazing. Uh, speaking of celebrating, there'll be some more celebrating tonight. I know everyone's fired up for this big football game at IG Field. Um, how excited are you out there to uh, get a true Winnipeg welcome from uh 20, 25, 30,000 fans tonight at the, at the stadium. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm so excited to come out, see people, share the medal, share in the joy and the celebrations. And of course, I'm such a proud Winnipegger. So to share it with the city and the people who have supported me, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Hey, I, I won't ask you because, I mean, I think you've still got a, a lot of soccer left in you. But have you thought, are you going to plan to still be involved in the game after you're finished playing? Um, is, is that a big part? Or Because uh, I'll tell you what, you could, they could certainly use you in the media. I imagine you'll have a ton of options. But um, have you thought much about what you'll be doing when you finish your playing career? No, I totally have started to think about that for sure. Um, lo- would love to be involved in the media. So keep me, you know, on that radar there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely want to stay involved in the game. I love working with athletes, young soccer players. I want to coach for sure. At what level, I don't know, but um, definitely will stay involved. Well, I'll tell you what, Des, uh, you are the first ever official, permanent, open invitation on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we'll have you on anytime, anywhere. And I'll tell you what, I do actually spend quite a bit of time in KC. So if I can make it happen, I'd love to hook up with you, do something down around the park there. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll go see your owner Mr. Patrick Mahomes over at Arrowhead one afternoon, a big Chiefs guy. A great sports city, though, as well. I imagine it's pretty fun to play there. Oh, it's a fun place to be. Great sports city, great owners, you know, Patrick Mahomes and his wife. And yeah, just super. We'll have some barbecue if you come down. Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll hit them all. Um, I'll I'll tell you what, this I, I can't go through all of the messages in the chat because it would take another 20 minutes. But I can tell you that literally Everyone here is um, has been just incredibly proud. It has been the talk of the city. It's been a talk of the chat for the last week. And um, I can't wait to see you get the the, the uh, welcome and congratulations that you certainly deserve tonight at the stadium. Uh, I'll bump in and say hi if we see you. But uh, on behalf of everybody here, fans of Winnipeg and Manitoba and really across the country, to you and your teammates, congratulations and thank you for such an incredible moment and an incredible run. No, thank you so much. That means the world to me. I appreciate it. Desiree, have a good afternoon, and uh, we'll see you at the park tonight. See you there. Thanks. <laughs> there it is. Flash that gold medal one more time on the way out. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. There it is. Des Scott, <laughs> Olympic gold medalist, Canada's women's national team, back from Tokyo in her hometown of Winnipeg, flashing the gold and uh, joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, man, that was so much fun. Um, and anyone watching, I... Uh, you just got how to get to hold it together a few times because you think about all of those moments and how emotional it was for anybody that was watching it. And, uh, you know, to see the smile on Desiree's face, she is just the best. And um, uh, thanks so much to Des for coming by. And get to the Bomber game tonight. Not only to see a hell of a football game between two 1-0 teams, and hopefully the Bombers cruise into a second win, but also to uh, give Desiree Scott the welcome and congratulations that she so richly deserves. Thanks again to Des for doing that. We are going to switch over to tonight's game, Ed Tate coming up. Uh, but I do want to thank our friends at Paramount Services for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, one of our newest sponsors. Um, if you're in the convenience store industry, if you're in the restaurant industry, uh, you probably have cooling needs, kitchen needs, not to mention HVAC, plumbing, electrical, handyman stuff that you can't get done or don't want to do or there's too much to do. Paramount Services Limited has got your back. They've been doing it for 28 years in Western Canada. 
24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler supplies. And uh, if you do have needs like that, give them a call. Ask for my friend, Carrie O'Brien. He'd love to help you out. Or you can go to their website and find out more on everything that they do at ParamountServicesLTD.com for more information. And of course, they're always looking for a qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services. So if you're thinking about a great spot to work, uh, they are members of the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 254. You can get to the uh, careers page at the website. If you go to the sponsor page at Winnipeg Sports Talk, click on the Paramount Services link. It'll take you right there. Uh, but they're always looking for more people, both here in Winnipeg and throughout Western Canada. Go there today and think about a career with Paramount Services. Not Autocorp. Going to go with the uh, not guys of the game tonight. Cannot wait to get out there. Great supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the spot to go for a new ride or all your automotive needs. Uh, they'll, they'll service your vehicle with their Red Seal technicians. You can get a great detailing and make it look like new. Or if you're looking for a new vehicle, why not get the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Go and see him, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at Knot.ca. And uh, I think I'm going to meet Sir Knot over at Boston Pizza for a couple beforehand. Uh, it's going to be a nice afternoon, maybe a couple on the patio, and we'll check out the new summer menu that you'll see at all local Boston pizzas, including the Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich, and a number of great summer cocktails, including the Peachy Mojito Royale, the White Sangria Smash, and the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl. Summer is here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses are optional. All right, let's get to some football. Game day, double blue and blue and gold tonight at IG Field. And we go now to the stadium and welcome in our good friend from BlueBombers.com, Ed Tate, as we get ready for kickoff tonight. Eddie, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. I'm good, Huss. How are you, man? Uh, I'm awesome. Uh, great morning. I was down, saw what was happening with Dale Howard. Chuck popped in, talked to uh, our wacky friend from Saskatchewan, Rod Peterson, and uh, and then had Desiree Scott, something I'd been waiting for ever since last week. And I know we're going to be, um, you know, as a community coming together to celebrate her gold medal win tonight at the game. But that's great to have you on. Although, Ed, tough act to follow with Des no just kidding. being on beforehand. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean... I was thinking that as she was on, man, she's an amazing uh, story herself and what an amazing accomplishment. And yeah, thanks for booking me right after here. Nice work there. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? It's perfect because we wanted to talk to her and obviously let everyone know that Desiree is going to be at the game tonight and will be celebrated before the game. And uh, what a better way to get into the weekend than with a great CFL game and, uh, of course, welcoming our Olympic hero back. Hey, before we talk about tonight's game, um, we talked about it beforehand. How will you remember last Thursday? Well, it was pretty special, wasn't it? I mean, it uh, we had been away for so long. It was just nice to get uh, back. And I, I found myself just kind of staring at the crowd as it filtered in. And some of the things that you took for granted before, you know, like seeing all those people again crammed around the rum hut and, and Jennifer Hansen and her band and the warm up. And there was just so much about it that was special before the game even started. Right. And, and then when the game started, it was just uh, magical to have, uh, CFL football back after the the year that was and all the rumors and the XFL and mergers and whether it would come back and, you know, will people come? And then, you know, the place was almost jammed to the rafters and it just seemed like so many people were happy to be back. And, and now we get back to tonight. Tonight will feel like a regular 
sort of game night, won't it? Because last week there was just so much different wrapped around it. Um, tonight will be fun too. Well, and, and you know what? Honestly, last week the Bombers could have lost, and I think everyone would, would have still left the stadium with a smile right. on their face, knowing that, hey, we're back. We're going to be seeing more games. Obviously got a chance to raise that great cup banner that we've been waiting so long to do. But the team stepped up as well. It was very interesting to see, you know, the Ticats go down on their first drive, put it in for six. And we joked that the TSN turning point in the game was the two-point convert attempt. Because after that, the Winnipeg defense stepped up and asserted themselves. And it kind of reminded me of Calgary in late November of 2019. Yeah, the defense has been really special in the last little while. You look at the points against in the last four games dating back to the playoff run, and it's pretty amazing. You know, you mentioned that first uh, score by the Ticats. I mean, DeAndre Alford, the guy that got beat for the touchdown, he had pretty good coverage on that play too. So, you know, you get one play against you like that and it cost you six. There was a great uh, stat in the CFO Weekly Stats package this week that Hamilton never crossed into Winnipeg's territory in the second half of the game. And that speaks an awful lot about, I mean, the field position game and all that stuff, but mostly about what the defense was doing because – uh, you know, Hamilton was missing some pieces just like Winnipeg was, but that's still a team that rolled through the CFL last year or in 2019 until the Grey Cup. So um, the defense is, is still doing what they do best and it's controlling the line of scrimmage. And and some of those guys in the, in the back end that everybody was so concerned about really stepped up and played well after that first drive. Well, they certainly did. They're going to be tested again tonight by the Toronto Argonauts. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who has had some success against the Bombers uh, in the past, even though that 2019 season did not go well for the Boatmen. Um, and it was two rookies last week. No Josh Johnson this week. There's going to be three. Set up the defensive secondary for us for tonight's game, Ed. Yeah, so the the two uh, rookie CFL rookies that started on the one side of the secondary are back again in, in DeAndre Alford and Dietrich Nichols, who played in the XFL. You've got Brandon Alexander back at safety. He started at safety last week, but then when Josh Johnson got hurt, he moved into Johnson's spot. Johnson's not back this week, so Mike Jones, one of the other corners, will move into Johnson's dime spot. And then Josh Miller starts at the other corner spot where Jones used to be. So you've got three CFL rookies in the secondary, along with Nick Taylor and Brandon Alexander, and then Mike Jones moving up a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage to play that dime spot. I'll tell you what, uh, there's changes in, on every CFL team, and, and I've been impressed with these guys. You're right, McLeod, Bethel, Thompson, and the, that Argo's receiving core is pretty good. They'll come after them, but... Um, those guys have been impressive. I know it's only been one game and I'm probably basing too much on what I saw in training camp, but, uh, these guys can play and, uh, we'll see if, uh, what happens tonight when they get tested by probably across the board, a better receiving core than we saw last week against Hamilton because of the Tiger Cats injuries. Well, Eddie, they certainly passed the test with flying colors in game number one. We'll look to see what happens tonight. Other side of the football, uh, really the story of game one was Brady Oliveira. And I don't think a lot of people foresaw Andrew Harris not being available and what he's going through with right now. But you knew at some point, Andrew Harris isn't going to play forever. He's already had an incredible Hall of Fame career. He's 34 years old. And credit to Kyle Walters for having this succession plan. I talked to Rod Peterson today. I can't think, and maybe you can. Has there ever been a time in recent memory where a CFL team, their entire running back roster was Canadians? Um, 
and never mind from the same damn high school in Charleswood. That's yeah. another story entirely. Yeah. Um, Brady Oliveira, what a debut for him. And uh, that's got to be great for the for the team without maybe a real desperation or urgency to get Andrew Harris back and knowing that even when he does come back, you've got he, along with Johnny Augustine, that are very capable of helping move the football and the chains. Yeah, you, you've touched on a couple of things which are really interesting here. I think that, you know, when Andrew Harris was out in 2019, it was Johnny Augustine that stepped up and then Augustine was dinged when, when camp opened. So it really gave Brady a chance to get a lot of work in training camp and, and you could see it in camp. And, you know, again, you don't want to base too much on a, on a training camp practice, but he was getting better and better and better as camp went along. And then last week against Hamilton, that's a pretty good defensive front they have too. His first two carries were for three yards and then minus three yards. So you're thinking, nah, boy, they sure miss Andrew Harris. And then as the game went on, he got more settled. I think Buck Pierce got more comfortable in going to the run more often. And that offensive line took over. Brady, full credit to him, did his thing. And they just pounded the the Ticats. They wore them out. And, and that's one of the things that uh, – Brady does really well. He is a big back and he is going to pound you. He's a north-south guy, as he said, and he did an awful lot of that. But those guys up front, man, um, there was a lot of time that uh, Brady Oliveira wasn't getting touched until he was three, four, five yards uh, away from the line of scrimmage. And that says something about the push those guys. It's, it's They manhandled them. I joked to the boys in the seats in the fourth quarter that I could get five yards of carry right now with the job that the offensive line is doing. Right, yeah. and, and you know what? I mean, obviously I'm joking, but the, but the old line, you know, in, in the world we live in now with betting and fantasy sports, we focus so much on the skill positions and the guys that end up on the highlight reels. But everybody knows. I mean, you just look back at that Grey Cup. I mean, the Bombers kicked their ass on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and that was the football game. And you know, there's so much talk about the rookie DBs and the quarterback. And I don't know, at one point when the team came out at the start and there's Jamarcus Hardrick and there's Stanley Bryant sort of leading the way, it reminded, I think, a lot of people where this team starts, the foundation of this team that's built by Kyle Walters. And uh, to me, it's that offensive line. And man, that makes a difference for a guy like Zach Caleros because we know how important the quarterback position is. And um, job number one right now is to keep Zach's jersey clean and him in the game. Yeah, you're you're bang on, Huss. We do get fixated as fantasy players on the receivers and the running backs and the yardage that they pile up and the quarterback ratings and all that stuff. And yet, you touched on it. The, what we saw in week one looked an awful lot like what we saw in the Grey Cup, and that was the bomber. It's old school, right? It's smash-mouth football on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And I think that's a, kind of become a bit of an underplayed story through the first part of the season here is that the Bombers have essentially all their parts back on both the offense and defensive line. And it's it's old school, but that's how you win a game is by dominating up front. We saw last night, I don't know if you watched that BC-Calgary game. I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell's running for his life. He's He doesn't look like the same player anymore, and they've got changes up front. Toronto's rebuilt their offensive line. I'm not sold on it. We'll see how they stack up against the Bombers' D-line. You know, there's, there's offensive line challenges all across this league, and yet the Bombers return all five guys, and maybe that's one of the most underplayed stories uh, through the first part of this season. I think it's it's only going to get uh, better, too, because, look, even if they go down a man, you've got Tui Eli as the sixth man who's a just a beast, and then Jeff Gray, who was a scratch last week, started 10 games for the Bombers in, in 
in 2019. So there's a ton of depth there too, just in case things were to go bad. So I think this is a story that's only going to get pulled more and more as we go on here, because I think the Bombers are going to control the line of scrimmage continually here and through this season. Eddie Tate of BlueBombers.com getting us ready for the Bombers and Argos tonight at Investors Group Field. If you missed the show earlier or coming in late, we had Olympic gold medalist Desiree Scott in for an amazing chat. She will be honored tonight before the game, so make sure you get there early. Um, Eddie, as far as the battle goes, where do you think the the, the biggest challenge for the Bomber defense will be for McLeod Bethel-Thompson and the, and the Argos offense? Do they need to worry about James White and the run first, or... It's the CFL. If the team is just running the football, you're in a good spot and really worry about, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback and hopefully limiting uh, the yardage from MBT. Well, I know one of the kind of the narratives this week was that maybe the Argos would try to get a little more balance and try to run the ball. I think the Bombers would would love it. So go ahead, try to run on them. This is a, a defense that only gave up about 65 yards rushing in 2019, and they were just as stingy last week. So it's almost like if you want to if you want to get two yards on first down, bring it because then then you'll be in second and eight, and those guys will pin their ears back. I think the key for Winnipeg defensively, again, we're going to look at that secondary and wonder about the question marks. But you know, Ken Jackson, Jeffcoat, and Willie Jefferson, Casey Sales is starting for Stove Richardson today, and Jake Thomas. Uh, can those guys push that, this offensive line around? And I think they can. And if, and if you do. And that changes what McLeod Bethel Thompson can do. I was talking to Kyle Walters yesterday about McLeod Bethel Thompson. I'm not sold on him yet. He puts up great numbers. I think he's seven and fifteen or eight and fifteen as a starter. Uh, you know, he threw for over four thousand yards in 2019, and he does a lot of it in garbage time. I mean, in 2019, the Argos were were horrible. And he put up a lot of yardage when, you know, they're trailing 30 to 10 at halftime. And 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 so if he gets it done tonight against this defensive front, then I'll salute my hat to him or tip my hat to him. But uh, I'm not sure about him yet. He's tough. He's got a good arm. He seems to make good decisions. Uh, but I think if the Bombers get after him from start to finish, um, they can really limit what Toronto does uh, offensively. Well, I agree with that. But I think the key is if they do, they're going to have to do that because I think we've seen that if he has time, especially I mean, the one thing, I'm not sure we can even compare the 2019 team to this Argos team because, I mean, they spent a lot of money. I mean, the talent level at especially those skill positions is night and day as to what, you know, we saw in 2019. And I think it speaks to, you know, Bethel Thompson, what he's shown new coach Ryan Dinwiddie in that everybody thought that Nick Arbuckle was going to be the guy and Arbuckle will be healthy. He'll be the backup tonight. But Certainly, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson earned that start with his performance in week number one. Eddie, before we go, you mentioned that game last night. Did not think we'd be talking about bow and two for the Calgary Stampeders. But, uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, what, a, uh, what a strange start. I, I really thought that Calgary would get it back together. I thought that they sort of you know self-destructed at times and really let the Argos back into that game. Um, and it was interesting to see a couple former Blue Bombers and Sales and Lucky Whitehead balling out last night. Um, pretty interesting upset. Never mind the crazy quarterback situation where they seem to be pulling one over on us every week when the starting QB goes out from the sidelines. Yeah, that's a whole storyline I don't want to get into because that's a that's a weird one. That I, I don't understand what's happening with the Lions. I was like everybody else was expecting to see Rourke at quarterback for them last night, and then Mike Riley's announced about twenty minutes before kickoff. That's crazy. You talk about Calgary, 
let's think about this now, dating back to 2019 when the Bombers beat them in the West semifinal. They've now lost three games at home in a row. I mean, I can't remember the last time that happened. You, would have, you might have to go back to remember when the, the Federick family owned the team and they made their son the quarterback and they called it F Troop there because they were so awful. <laughs> the early 2000s, that might be the last time they lost three in a row at home. Uh, they look a little bit lost to me. And it's, it's surprising to say that when you've got, you know, John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson at the controls and one of the winningest quarterbacks of all time behind center. But I mean, if, if he wasn't throwing picks last night, he was running for his life. And we haven't said that in a long time about the Calgary Stampeders. No, no doubt about it. It's, um, now it was sort of bizarre to see that, but I mean, this team hasn't been under 500 since 2007. I mean, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt and sort of assume that they'd be there. And they've lost, I think they're one and four in their last five openers, but they have always come back. I mean, yes. you, if you're a, if you're on the stamp side of things, you have to be concerned with that offensive performance. Although maybe we should be opening the eyes to this BC defense, Ed, that, you know, didn't have a great first two quarters to say the least in Saskatchewan, but they've not allowed a touchdown in six quarters now. And that's pretty impressive in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, you know, I, I saw the same thing you did. In, in week one, they looked just god-awful in the first half of that game in Regina, and then they settled in. And I was still watching that last night, and that defensive line of theirs, I'm thinking, I don't know these guys very well. I'm going to have to do my homework before the Bombers play BC. But they got after it, and then you mentioned Marcus Sales. They've got a good secondary, and if that defensive line can get pressure, then you see the, the ball hawks in the back end, and then – Lucky Whitehead's added a nice dimension to them, kind of the home run threat to go along with Brian Burnham and some of the other pieces they have. You know, a week ago in Regina, the way Mike Riley was throwing, it looked like a punt on every throw he made. Um, I would have thought they were a mess. But then last night, magically, his arm is great and uh, it looked like the old Mike Riley again. So everybody that was willing to or ready to write them off in the first half in Regina has maybe changed their assessment of the BC Lions after two weeks. No doubt. Hey, back to the Bombers. I did want to ask you about the special teams for uh, for a second. Um, Justin Medlock was uh, a guy that the Bombers identified that they needed a few years back, came in and completely changed the conversation around the third unit of special teams. Medlock's gone. Leggy was, was in camp unchallenged they brought in Crepina and it was quite interesting and I think part of the decisions of Mike O'Shea had to do with the guy that was in the uh, in the end zone and Brandon Banks who can kill you if you don't make it but it was interesting that there was a few a few situations in that game where I think most of us would agree that in 18 or 19 Medlock's probably getting thrown thrown out to kick it um how would you evaluate where the where the special teams are right now in particular the kicking game and how that might affect Mike O'Shea's decision-making in a game like this tonight. Yeah, it really is kind of a developing storyline, isn't it? Because uh, I didn't mind the decision that they made last week that Mike O'Shea made to not try those, you know, 40-something field goals. As you mentioned, when Speedy B is back there, if you make a mistake, it's six going the other way. And in a tight game like that where your defense is playing so well, it made sense to me. But and I thought the punting was pretty good for Mark Leggio. I think he's only going to get better. He's got the directional thing figured out. But sooner or later, you're going to need your guy to, to, to run out there and hit a 45, 46-yard field goal. And uh, Tyler Crepina's got an 85.2% career average, so it's not like uh, you're rolling the dice with him. He does, he does have a pretty good uh, average. I'm not sure about his, his range. 
isn't as good as Justin Medlock's. He's a future Hall of Famer. But sooner or later, you're going to need to make those those uh, those field goals. We you know whether it's a tight defensive game or not. So the decision making on that will be something to study again tonight to see what they do because you know there is only one speedy B, but every team in this league's got a dangerous returner too. So you're going to have to run him out there and try a, try those field goals sooner or later. So um, I mean, we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled. It's it's something that when the bombers used to line up for those, those distances before that, you know, you grab a beer, you, you go get your, make sure the popcorn, because <laughs> you know it's going to make it right. Yeah, I don't need to see this, but now it's become something that we are going to have to study a little bit more closely. Uh, Eddie, this has been awesome. I love having you on the program. I cannot wait for this game tonight. It's going to be a gorgeous night, not too hot. Uh, hopefully everyone will come out to IG field and, uh, Celebrate the gold medal with Des Scott before we get uh, 60 minutes of uh, what should be a great game between the Bombers and Argonauts. And uh, I guess this is the first of two. Uh, Bombers going to be heading to Toronto next week for the Argos to be playing in their home opener. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the back-to-backs this year. It should be fun. Uh, next week when we go to Toronto, uh, it'll be my first time on a plane since coming home from the Grey Cup. That's weird to me. Uh, I feel like a six-year-old kid that's all excited about going on his first plane trip. Next week's going to be fun, too. Well, it's funny you say that. I went down to uh, the Canada Life Centre, I guess it's called now, the Jets Rink, and did Rod Peterson's show. They're here in Winnipeg, and they're going to be at the game tonight. And and I said to Rod, now that I think about it, this is the first in-person interview I've done in seven or eight months. So (laughs) uh, hopefully we're getting a little bit closer to a little bit of normalcy, but um, can't wait to see everything you and the team at bluebombers.com have coming out of tonight's game, Ed, and uh, we'll look forward to the rematch next week in TO. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, good luck to the blue and gold tonight. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Enjoy the night. (laughs) There he is. Ed Tate, bluebombers.com getting us ready for the big game tonight. Uh, If you're tailgating beforehand, or uh, maybe just getting together at home, if you're not going, um, why not add a little little brown jug to the party? You can pick up the 1919, the flagship brand, or the summer variety pack. And i got to give a shout-out to Andrew Haleko, who fired us a tweet today. Uh, I think Andrew had the day off. He was already getting ready for the game. He uh, was rocking the Winnipeg Sports Talk t-shirt, and had the summer variety pack that I think he just got delivered to his house. Again, you can get it delivered. You don't even need to go to the beer store. Go to littlebrownjug.ca. Same day orders in the city if you order by 4 p.m. Uh, it's never been easier to order the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Or you can pick it up at your local beer stores. Or as we now get outside, ask for it at your local favorite restaurant or patio. And if you're looking for an awesome spot to maybe meet some friends, there's Andrew. Great look, my friend. Uh, If you're looking for a great spot to maybe go for a couple pints, go down to uh, the brewery on William Avenue. They've got a beautiful patio outside. I know they've got some entertainment at times on the weekends. You can check the events page at littlebrownjug.ca. Great to have them on board. Assiniboy Downs is open again every day. The VLTs are open from 9 to 12.15. The Terrace Dining Room is also open, but you do have to make reservations And, of course, fans are back for live racing. They'll get back to the post at 7.30 p.m. on Monday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week. Remo and I will have our picks again, hopefully getting it back in the wind column after a sort of a meh week for the two of us. Uh, But I'll tell you what, there's nothing meh about going out with some friends and family. 
to the beautiful Assiniboy Downs and getting outside, getting a few tickets in your hands and uh, seeing if you can grab some winners. Uh, we'll be getting out there next week for sure. You should too, Assiniboy Downs. And again, you can bet on the hpibet.com uh, website for racing around the world as well as Assiniboy Downs Racing every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, a big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend, the home of the champions. Had a great chat with Corey Johnson earlier this week, putting the finishing touches on all the work they've done in the sixth hole. Um, man, first it was the clubhouse, then it was the patio. Now a couple of course improvements, and it's really rounding into just an incredible spot for you and your family for your golfing home. Find out more about getting on the waiting list and making that your golfing home next year. Breezy Bend Country Club. Give them a call, ask for Corey Johnson, or check out more at breezybend.ca. And as I mentioned off the top of the show, a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake who finally are back open. Uh, it's been Murphy's Law for the last couple of years with COVID and then the forest fires, but things are good. They are back open. I want to thank Jeff Meeky and give him a big shout out. He heard a lot about Aikens on the show and has uh, planned a trip out there with some friends and associates. Uh, you'll have a great time, trust me. Absolutely world-class out at Aikens Lake. Find out more online, akinslake.com, or you can hit Pitteran up on Twitter at Aikens Lake. We will get to our cool bet lines in a minute, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. Take a little breath. We'll hear from Andrew Kopp in a second and uh, sort of reset as we go through a great, great afternoon. Um, awesome stuff from Ed Tate, Remo, as always. I'm really looking forward to the game tonight, um, but what a treat it was to have Desiree Scott flashing off that gold medal. And, um, you know, she is such a delight to talk to at any time, but uh, seeing her back here in her hometown with the Olympic gold medal, getting the celebration that she such deserves, um, man, that was um, that was a real highlight for me. Oh, yes. Uh, so that was an incredible conversation. I started getting, you know, emotional hearing about the journey that took them to uh, the gold medal game. You really did a great job going through it. And people are like, show the medal right away. They want to see it off the hop. But you uh, built it up pretty good. Huss. I saw what you were doing. That was some some skill and waiting until after she talked about the gold medal until she so proudly uh, flashed it to everyone. It was pretty cool. I had never seen one uh, up close. I'll have to throw it up on our Instagram uh, page so uh give us a follow on there sports talk wpg and also uh, yeah uh, oh we got a got a super chat there yeah uh, i wanted bart. to give a shout out to bart oh man thanks so much bart bart says get yourselves a couple 1919s it's been one hell of a week it has been an amazing week i mean and full disclosure folks i mean we had such a great start when we started this program and the support had been amazing and you know it was crazy throughout the jets playoff run and, you know, then you get to July and you thought, well, we're going to be able to squeeze some fun shows out of, you know, everything that's happening in and around the NHL offseason. Uh, and then, you know, you might have a few dead weeks. I mean, that often happens in sports radio and it has not been the case at all. I mean, to be honest, Rima, we've been as busy this week as we maybe have ever been since we started this in early March. And um, to think that this is what is traditionally the dog days of summer has been um, it's been awesome. So got to thank everyone that's listening into the podcast every day that's joining us here on YouTube. And of course, all the guests that are making this show what it is each and every day. It has been, uh, it has been just such a great, great run. And listen, we've had some good luck too. Um, and I think Kevin Sheveldayoff, we should send him a little thank you note and maybe a few 1919s because man, Remo, the signing of Neil Pionk leading into the signing of Andrew Kopp. 
um, pretty much ticked off every single box that Kevin Shelvedeoff had in his to-do list. And the optimism for this upcoming season is beyond anything I can remember really since the team came back outside of the fact of year one, just the fact that, you know, we had a team back, but that was very different. Um, I just talking to people downtown today in and around that announcement. I mean, you can just feel the buzz. And then in addition, I think they've hit it out of the park with their other announcements about welcoming a full building back with fans, albeit fully vaccinated. And then the announcement today about uh, the way that this team and this city will honor Dale Howarchuk going forward with the statue and the naming of the street right by the arena. Um, it's all coming up jets right now. Yes, I uh, I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more with you, Hassa. And you just heard Andrew Kopp. We'll get to that shortly, but um, I think he knows the players know that they have a very good team, and the players, you know, want to make what they're worth, but they also want to win. Winning is definitely uh, important. So uh, I think it's very exciting. We're all fired up. I think it'll be a great season. And we did actually have some minor Jets news, Hus, as um. During that conversation, they came up with the start times for the games. Oh, um, well, you know, we got, uh, we, live reaction from me. Yeah. I have not seen this. Fill me uh, in. Okay. But also, the so the first game against Anaheim has changed to uh, changed to the October 13th instead of October 14th. That is in Anaheim. But this Scott Billick tweeted out the schedule. Uh, let me pull it up right now. Here it is. And it says, I don't know if the NHL put this schedule or what, it says all times local. So is that like seven local yeah, time? that's local. Like if it's seven o'clock in, An- oh, oh, you mean, is it local in Winnipeg or local where the game is? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. So I would think that would be nine here because it's a road game, right? I'm just looking for how that many, like. That sense. Like, like yeah. a seven o'clock game in Anaheim, if it was seven o'clock here, that means they're starting at 5 p.m. And I'm pretty mm. sure that they're not doing that on a Wednesday. Yeah, so. I just want to see how many, like, we got a couple Saturday 6 p.m. home games. Like, what the hell's going on here? October and November, us. What, what is that? Three? Summer se- of Chevy, man. Summer <laughs> of Chevy. Even the national broadcaster is now realizing that yeah, maybe this Jets team will be, uh, will be good. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. I mean, I would think that we'll be getting Hockey Night in Canada dates for the Jets uh, home games. October 23rd against Nashville. November 6th against the Islanders, November 13th against the Los Angeles Kings. A couple more games in January. The Kraken come to town on the 8th, the Ottawa Senators on the 15th. And then no Saturday games at all through the month of February or March, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, the other side of that is certainly for March. Well, February, there's nothing going on. There's only four games because of what is planned to be the Olympic break. Uh, But when the team comes back, Four Tuesdays in March and uh, three Friday home games. I love the Friday home games, actually. So I think people will be all in for that. A couple of Saturdays as well. And then in April, uh, one more Saturday night game against the Los Angeles Kings. But I will say this as a season ticket holder that, you know, always goes through these dates and, you know, you realize, oh, great. We've got 15 Tuesday games this year. You're going to have some weekday games, but mm-hmm. it always pissed me off that it seemed like the Jets were almost scheduled purposely away from Saturday night so they wouldn't be a part of that. So, well, my theory was that they wouldn't have to spend the money to come out and broadcast those games and they could be on local broadcast otherwise. But overall, I'll be honest, I haven't spent a ton of time looking at the schedule. We'll get into that coming out very soon when we uh, start to split up tickets and look ahead. But um, pretty fired up for the first month of October, which bizarrely, Remo, has eight games 
including two trips to the West Coast and two home games, three in total of the first eight against the Anaheim Ducks. Maybe that's not a bad thing, actually. Yeah, and someone was just commenting in chat uh, how brutal the Pacific Division is this year. Brutal is in, like, not good. Not in brutal. It's like it's going to be hard to go to go out there. No, no, no. As brutal is in, the, they stink. Yeah, they stink. So uh, we'll see how that goes. It is kind of odd that they have two trips in October, but whatever, I guess. And, yeah, I'm just – I'm looking at the schedule. I think the Jets have more Saturday 6 p.m. games, like, in the first two months of this year than the last, like, five years combined. Yeah, the one unfortunate thing, and that was just pointed out by a uh, Winnipeg Chaster. What up, Win- Winnipeg Chaster? Uh, unfortunately, October 23rd is going to be one of those rare days where we got to choose between the Bombers or the Jets because the Bombers apparently have a home game at 6 p.m. on the 23rd. Wow. And the Jets are playing the Nashville Predators at 6 o'clock at the downtown arena. What? So um, that is unfortunate. Never like to have make fans pick between the two teams because there's certainly a lot of people that have tickets to both and love to go to both games. Yeah, I'm just thinking about TV. Like, both the games are, like, one's on TSN 3. Like, where are they going to put the Bomber game then? I wonder if one of one of those... Well, no, if, this, that'll be, I mean, I'd imagine it's Saturday night. I mean, that'll oh, yeah, be hockey sorry. in Canada. It'll be so hockey TSN in Canada, will have yeah. the football, and then Rogers will have uh, Rogers or City TV or CBC yeah. or... Whatever. We'll, pro- we'll probably get what? down like the the one that no one has that they always put us on, right? Like, listen, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen this. I haven't seen the schedule, but if it's Jets Nashville, I'm pretty sure we're getting the Hockey Night in Canada D team coming we're, to Winnipeg getting, to, to call the game. We're gonna get on like the score or what is it, Sportsnet 360 or Sportsnet One, the one that you can't that you can't find. We're not getting CBC. It's Although on the may- Golf Channel, I guess it could be on <laughs> CBC Manitoba. If they'll maybe they'll be nice and put it on, and we won't get stuck with the you know the Leafs or whatever. Well, no, usually you know they'll just go with their big game on CBC, yeah. and then they put another game on City TV, <laughs> and then they'll yeah. put a game on Sportsnet, and then potentially another game on Sportsnet yeah. 360. The Jets so. never have Saturday. 6 p.m. games, Huss. Like, so I'm like, I'm, this is unprecedented. Uh, this many Saturday 6 p.m. home games in the first two months of a season. Well, well done, NHL schedule. I was, I was like, look at this. January, you got two Saturdays back to back 6 p.m. starts. I was fully expecting them being all in the afternoon or making a home 9 p.m. game to fit everything in nicely for TV. But no, um, NHL recognizing. Oh. Who the best team, best Canadian team is. You know, uh, the other thing that I do every time I see the schedule is I go to that spot in January and I see when the home games are. Because that second weekend and the third weekend are two of the best weekends for the year because it's the NFL playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, we all remember the tracksuit game where Buffalo yes. came in on, what was it, January 9th. That Blair was Walsh. also when Blair Walsh exactly yeah. missed the field goal in the playoffs. Um, and that next weekend, that January 15-16 weekend, which probably is the divisional playoffs, maybe the best weekend of the year, uh, games against Ottawa and Edmonton back-to-back. Um, and everyone's going to want to see Connor McDavid and the Oilers and the rematch of the club. Uh, but we may be spending some time in those bars in the corner watching the NFL games at the intermissions. Uh, anyways, thank God. These are great discussions to have, good problems to have, if you will, picking between Jets and Bombers. Because as we all know, we went a long time without either of those teams. And uh, as I say, cannot wait yeah. to get going into well, it. And, and, you know, I think everyone involved with the team is fired up to get going as well, Remus, including Andrew Kopp, 
despite the fact that, you know, with all the money that was doled out by the hockey club, kind of when it came down to get the deal done with he and Kerr Overhart, there wasn't really the opportunity to do a long-term deal because of the cap situation of the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, Cop did get a deal done yesterday, one year, 3.64. He'll have unrestricted free agency rights at the end of the season. If he doesn't sign an extension with the Winnipeg Jets, he'll be able to do that if he likes after January. Uh, but Cop did talk yesterday about the uh, the deal. It was a little late last night, so we wanted to get a few clips to hear from Andrew Kopp. We'll hopefully have him join us in the next couple of weeks before training camp here on the program. Uh, but, Reem, are we good to go? Can we hear some of this uh, this Andrew Kopp? Yeah, I, I'm ready to go. I was also going to say, you know, we've mentioned this before. Normally, we're like, give us the schedule. We want to see the schedule. Now we're just like, just happy there is a schedule. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, a bit, let's, bit of let's a change. Not forget, let's not forget that this schedule could change. We might be getting a second schedule. I hope not. Because oh, yeah. That means the NHLers will be going to the Olympics. But if these Olympics is just not possible to make happen for a myriad of reasons, uh, we may get a rejigged schedule at some point going forward. But at the, for the time being, we'll assume it is as it is. The Jets are going to start in Anaheim and have two trips out to the West Coast to play the Ducks in the first eight games of the season and open up against the Ducks at Canada Life Centre. Um, but Andrew Kopp's going to be part of that. Will he be with the Jets beyond this season? That is still TBA, uh, but he will be back and uh, part of a team that looks a lot different than it did when they were shaking hands with the Montreal Canadiens. Here's Andrew Kopp, first clip from him, talking about the deal um, that he signed yesterday. How did you land on one year, and what does this mean for your long-term future with the Jets? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when our first conversation happened in June, and they kind of asked what we wanted term-wise, and we were kind of thinking in that four- or five-year range. And then, um, you know, with the, with how the expansion drafts set out and with the trades that we made, kind of the cap space went away, um, you know, pretty quickly. So it was pretty much one year was kind of the agreed-upon term because that was what was basically available, and, and from there it was pretty easy. So, um, yeah, I would have liked to, you know, maybe get a few more years, but... I was, you know, I got a good contract, um, happy with it, happy with the improvements that the team um, that we see that we, we made in the offseason. Um, obviously, a few key losses, but a few key additions as well. And we think that, you know, we're a team that can can go all the way this year. So uh, really excited to be back um, and really excited to see what uh, what kind of team we got moving forward here. All right. There's Andrew Kopp. A little question from a pal, Weeb's World, Ken Weeb. Um, on the deal that he signed yesterday. And, you know, it was a one-year deal. We'd speculated that that really did seem like that was almost the only option after the Pionk deal was signed the day before. Uh, Andrew Kopp was asked if he helped the Jets by taking a one-year deal because they're up against the cap. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that I guess I could have pushed and tried to, you know, get a longer-term deal out of this and you know, if I guess I could have pushed for if the Jets weren't the ones to do that, someone else would have, but I didn't really think that was the right thing to do. And obviously enjoy my time in Winnipeg and want to, you know, see these, um, you know, changes and, and see how good we can be next year. Um, but with that said, I don't think that, I don't want to say that I wasn't a team guy, but at the same time, like they probably gave me more than I would have gotten in arbitration from, from accounts for that we've, that we've looked at um, and probably that they've looked at too. So, I don't, it wasn't, you know, a ton more, but it was something that was like, all right, let's just get this done quickly. 
Uh, obviously, Neil in the fold a couple of days ago made it easier and kind of solidified the the space that they had. So um, I wouldn't say that I would take a ton of like discount credit, but I would guess it's committed to be here for the year instead of trying to get the four or five year deal elsewhere, maybe. And that's interesting in that, you know, he essentially says that, you know, the team basically came to them knowing what the situation was and offered him more than probably he would have got if he went to arbitration. And we all remember the arbitration two years ago, how he felt coming out of it, but also how he played knowing that he was coming into this point in his career where he would be, whether it would be this season or next season, you know, able to sign a long-term deal. Um, you knew the arbitration experience was going to come up. I think it was in the best interest of everybody to avoid it. But Andrew Cobb did touch on arbitration. Yeah, I would say that probably wasn't a positive day, but at the same time, at that point in my career, um, I was ready to fight and I was ready to explain why I felt like I deserved more and not only got to basically make my case for making more, but it was a, a lot of it was more of making the case that, you know, I had done really well in the playing time that I had gotten and I felt like I could contribute more to the team. So half of going to ARB wasn't really about the money. It was more about having the opportunity to, to, to show management how good I think I can be and with increased playing time. And, and it's worked out. I mean, my, I've gotten a lot more opportunity the last two years and taking steps in my game and continue to get better. So um, it, it's, it was never really about the money as much as approving my worth and my, um, my status, I, I guess on the team or how important to the team I can be. So, um, yeah, going through our, wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do again. Um, but I'm always ready and willing to fight for myself and fight for what I think I deserve and all of that. So at the end of the day, I'm happy to not have to go through that process and happy that we came to an amicable um, negotiation that was pretty quick actually. So, um, yeah, happy with that part of it, but, uh, I definitely don't regret going to ARB two years ago. Uh, so there's Andrew Kopp and I thought those converse, uh, that those comments were very interesting. And I know there was a lot of people yesterday and listen, it's still a very realistic possibility that he plays this year with the Winnipeg jets and he's gone. I certainly will tell you that if Andrew Kopp is traded at any point this season, um, that means this season has gone in an area or a direction that no one is uh, expecting or hoping that it goes because he's too important to the team going into a playoff run. But with what he said there on, on, on a couple of things, um, I think it's clear that he does like being in a Winnipeg Jet. And I think, and we'll get to this in the next question, that what the team has done, how they've grown, the group that he's been playing with for a long time, that I think does believe that they're capable maybe of some pretty special things, adding in the players that have come in, um, this is not a player that is just dying to get out of here. Now, he's got to be treated fairly. He's got to get market value for what he brings to the hockey club, and a long-term deal wasn't possible. But when I hear those comments, and you know, you read the tea leaves, looking ahead, Paul Stastny's on a one-year deal, you assume Pierre-Luc Dubois will sign another deal and be here long-term, but I'm not sure that that's guaranteed. And obviously there's always the potential that somebody else has moved. I wouldn't at all be surprised if the, uh, these two sides come back and discuss potentially an extension at some point in the second half of the season, or maybe he gets so close, he's going to see what's out there and potentially does leave. But I, I would not close the door on Andrew Kopp beyond this season, just because of the way things have transpired. And I guess a big part of that is, 
the team that he's coming back to um, that looks a lot different, as we mentioned, than they did when they were shaking hands with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, the final bit we're going to play from Cop was, you know, just his thought process while he saw the team improving, adding key players, making trades, making some signings, but at the same time decreasing the available cap space for Kevin Sheveldale to sign Cop. Um, I mean, I guess it's natural for a little bit of that, but at the same time, um, you look at the trades, we didn't lose any NHL players off our roster and we added two um, really valuable D-men that are, you know, great players in this league and a little different and bring something different than, you know, maybe definitely different from each other, but different from what we have back there too. So I think, you know, we got a really well-rounded defensive core now and in, in depth back there too, you know, so um, you know, we're really excited about that. And obviously we feel like we got, you know, one of the best goalies in the league and, you know, our forward group has been pretty solid now for a number of years. So, uh, we like the, the makeup of the team. And at that point, you know, it appeared that the longer term deal was, wasn't going to happen, but at the same time, um, was really excited about the opportunity to come back for a year and, and then see where everything lies after that. All right. So there's Andrew Kopp. We spoke yesterday evening to the assembled Winnipeg media and, um, you know, we'll look forward to hopefully having Andrew Kopp back. He's always been one of my favorite players on the Winnipeg Jets to talk to. Um, you know, he's thoughtful, but he's also honest. And I think we got some honesty from him there as we expect from Andrew Kopp pretty much every time he gets in front of a microphone. Um, you know, we realized the situation, they kind of read the tea leaves. They got what they thought was more than a fair deal based on what was available in arbitration um, so I think they keep the good feelings with Andrew Kopp and his representation going forward. And if it doesn't end up and they don't have an opportunity to keep him, he'll be an incredibly motivated player playing for, you know, probably the best opportunity to sign a significant long-term contract and he'll be able to do it where he wants. I wouldn't rule out the possibility that that is Winnipeg, although I will agree with some of the ch- uh, the people in the chat that, you know, it might still be difficult to to, to pull off. Um, but as I said, it's not 100% that he's gone. It might be greater than 50, 50. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll still be having some conversations on this program with Ken and some of the other guys about the potential of Andrew Kopp staying the first few months of the season. It won't be a topic though, because he will not be eligible to sign an extension until at least the beginning of January. Remo, what do you have to say about what Andrew Kopp said just uh, had for us? I thought it was um, pretty interesting, uh, Huss, way to say I really appreciate Andrew Kopp's honesty. And I think, you know, coming when they made that deal, I think it was pretty clear what the Jets had in salary cap after signing Pionk, and both sides recognized that. And they said they made made the deal pretty quickly. I thought it was interesting, you know, what he said about the team's additions, because I think if you are playing, you see, okay, you know, I'm an RFA, they're adding Schmidt, they're adding Dylan, signing Pionk. And you're kind of watching, okay, because you need to come up with a number to bring to the table. And you see, okay, well, they don't have that much salary cap space. So he wanted a long-term deal. Um, he kind of got got squeezed out. You know, they left him for the end. And, I mean, we'll see. You know, if he's in a good spot, he can go to UFA and, um, you know, cash in big and at someone who will, who will sign him. Or January 1st, if he really likes what's going on, maybe he opts to re-sign then when they have more cap space for next season. But... I mean, the deal for this year, I think it was pretty obvious. And maybe this is something that he's been pushing towards the whole time, has to get to UFA as quickly as possible, you know, with these uh, ARB deals and trying to get trying to get paid. But I think he wants to win. I think he likes the group. And, you know, we talked about bringing in those guys. Okay, we got a shot here. So th- 
those are a couple yeah. things that I took from it. So I, I really liked his answers. Yeah, no doubt. I, the one thing I will say is, I mean, the fact that he said they went in and they were hoping to get a four or five year deal obviously mm. shows that he's open to staying in Winnipeg. I mean, I know many people thought that, you know, with Kurt Overhart, they would just go and do whatever it took to get the one year deal. But in this case, kind of before they really got together, it was the Jets that were in the position that they could only do a one year deal. So he will have that opportunity. But again, just don't rule out the possibility that these two sides get back together and find a way to keep Andrew Kopp here beyond this season. Uh, because I certainly think the organization loves having Kopp in the lineup. And we certainly know that Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice does as well. All right, let's get to uh, the cool bet lines for the weekend for the Canadian football league. And we still, uh, and we won't be getting consistent lines early in the week until next week. I think the odds makers are going to need a couple games for each team to really know the lay of the land. But we do have a line for tonight's game between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Toronto Argonauts. And the Bombers are six and a half point favorites on the spread. The total is 47 and a half. And the money line for the Bombers is minus 270. And the Argos is plus 210. Talked about this game a little earlier on the lock shop this uh, this week with Dustin Nielsen. And... I'll be honest, I'm actually going to take the points with Toronto. Um, I do like the Bombers to win the game, but I think this will be a close game. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be leaving early for my G Field tonight. And I think this is going to be a game where, um, certainly when it comes to the spread, I think the special teams is going to be key. Um, we'll see what the Bomber kicking game does and whether, as we talked about with Ed Tate, you know, you know, they'll be punting from, you know, 48, 50 yards or going for field goals. Um, but again, this is a really interesting matchup. I think Toronto had a real strong game. I think they have an incredible amount of talent, and I think this is going to be a this is going to be in doubt in the fourth quarter. Um, so I'm going to go for a close game here tonight. Rima, well, where are you on uh, the game tonight? I mean, I think we've all got confidence that the Bombers can get this W. Um, but I certainly am not comfortable and uh, writing off the Toronto Argonauts that Winnipeg is just going to run all over them. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, you have to be confident in the Bombers, especially how they shut down Hamilton last week. I mean, holding them to six four points, I think it's really impressive. I will have to see if they can do that um, two weeks in a row. I think Toronto, we saw last week, I, you know, for fantasy purposes, I like McCall Bethel-Thompson. He throws for a lot of yards. Um, and Ed mentioned maybe some of them were in uh, in garbage time, but he did have hey, a couple of good... That all counts in yeah. fantasy. That he, all counts in fantasy. He, he did have a couple good starts against the Bombers, last year and they've really upgraded their receivers with Ricky Collins, Eric Rogers and Tavares Daniel. So I, I like the Argos, you know, uh, I know he former bomber. He Mwamba had a big game last week against Calgary, but as we saw us Calgary, they're not the same Calgary they've been in the past and we can get to that. And my disappointment in Bo Levi Mitchell, ugh. but uh, for, as far as this guy, I, I kind of agree. I like the bombers to win, but maybe to be a, a close, uh, close game closer than we saw last week. Uh, NFL preseason on this week. We've got a whole lot of baseball. Let's uh, check in, see where the uh, the Blue Jays are. Oh, the Blue Jays are taking on Remus's Mariners. Blue Jays. Late game tonight uh, starts just after 9 p.m. Minus 161 on the money line, and the Mariners are plus 37. Uh, of course, we've got some tennis going on, and we've got some golf uh, I mentioned when Breezy Ben, we would check in uh, with the Wyndham Championship right now. Uh, of course, Webb Simpson is tied for the lead. He's always up at the top of the leaderboard at this tournament. And he's there with Olympic silver medalist, Slovakian golfing legend Rory Sabatini, along with Scott Piercy. Justin Rose is at nine. 
And uh, let's see. We do have a Canadian, Michael Gligic, with a nice round. He's at two under so far, seven under for the tournament. And he's still got a number of holes left to play. Tommy Fleetwood. I was on a little piece of Tommy at 50 to one. He is tied for 16th at six under par. I see Adam Hadman's at five under par and Roger Sloan also at five under par. Nick Taylor is at four. Mac Hughes is also at four under. Uh, so it should be a pretty interesting weekend on the tour. Um, not sure whether they'll have updated odds on the Wyndham Championship after this round, uh, but they certainly will as we get into the PGA Tour playoffs. Again, if you're looking for a great spot to uh, do a little sports betting, go to coolbet.com. Great supporters of Winnipeg Sports Talk, fastest payouts in the industry, and the most transparent book on the internet. And you can use promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 2 hundred dollars all right let's get back to last night's game remus i know you have many takes on what happened and what didn't happen uh i'll tell you what didn't happen uh anything good for our fantasy teams i think we were both on bo levi mitchell bo turned into a pick machine and i said said to ed earlier the calgary stampeders are now shockingly bo and two Boji, yeah, people were saying that in chat. And I thought, I was looking at the quarterbacks this week. I thought Bo was a safe pick. I know he's not, he's not the crazy, you know, the best fantasy quarterback. Doesn't throw for a lot of yards, but he's pretty efficient. And I thought against BC, he'd bounce back. You know, they lost last week at home. They, you know, haven't started. What was the last time they started 0 2? It's been a long time. It's been a long, you know, hearing all these stats. Oh, first time, you know, the. He's lost the Argos or something last week. It's uh, it's wild. So I was really on Calgary and um, three interceptions. That's not going to get it done. Um, I had Kamar Jordan. I had Josh Huff who looked good last week in some lineups. So it was a pretty miserable day for me. And that's not even you know part of the reason why I'm on Calgary is especially if you took their defense. Well, you thought they were going up against a rookie quarterback, a rookie Canadian quarterback. And I know TSN had all their packages ready on him, Huss, for the game. And what, 30 minutes before? They say, uh-uh. At least it was 30 minutes and not after the coin toss. I kind of agree. But, like, wh- they got to figure this out because you have setting lines, setting fantasy stuff, trying to make projections, and you're treating this like it's uh, like it's a Little League or what do they call it, Pop Warner in the U.S. Uh, or a Stanley try- Cup final. Yeah, trying to do a, <laughs> trying to do a rope-a-dope here. Uh, everyone's, the on the, everyone's on the injury list with either an upper body or yeah. a lower body injury. Everyone is a game time decision going forward. I mean, it is weird that the number two quarterback on their depth chart has started the last two games. Yeah. And I think that's, they got to figure out a way to deal with this. I don't know. They were saying, well, we had said Mike Riley was a game time decision all week. Well, I think, wouldn't he be the starter then if he really was a game time decision? I don't. I don't, I don't know, but I think they have to get this figured out because I don't think it's a good look. Um, you know, you had people setting lines. I mean, if you're partnering BC's, with, if, if you're yeah. betting right now, BC's on the suspended list. I oh. mean, I, there's no other way. I mean, you're just staying away from those games right now with the British Columbia Lions until we can take at face value who we think is going to be in the damn lineup. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you're in the CFL and you're partnering with Bet Regal, Bet Regal is trying to offer lines. You're like, what the hell are you guys doing? Switching the quarterback on us, obviously. It's going to be a big point swing if it's Nathan Rourke versus Mike Riley in the lineup. So I I don't know what they're what they're doing. I I don't think it's right. Um, you got to be honest with your depth charts, and they had Nathan Rourke number one. So if Mike Riley really was a game time decision, then I think he would be 
uh, number one. It seems like it wasn't clear to a lot of people what the situation was. Now that it's clear, don't bet on BC. I think that's the situation right now. That's, <laughs> stay away. Stay, stay away. away from yeah. uh, from that game. Uh, and I'll, I'll just pull the curtain back a little bit, folks, just to give you an idea about where Remus's head was at as we went into the show today. Um, you know, we've got a, a a document that we put in a bunch of notes, things that we're going to be talking about. This is this is Remus's notes on week two, CFL week two. Bomber, bombers are goes tonight. Next, Bo Levi Mitchell looks like shit. Calgary <laughs> goes zero two. Uh, BC effing everyone with QB BS. <laughs> and then the last one, did Bombers misuse Lucky Whitehead and uh, Lucky? did have a pretty impactful game last night. And the funny thing is, I saw that and I thought about it for a minute. Um, but, man, I mean, if we're talking about 2019, Reem, um, you could argue that every Bomber receiver was quote-unquote misused because the Bombers had the ninth passing offense in the league. They just didn't throw the ball very much until Zach Caleros came in in the playoffs. So, um, you know, it was sort of, it was an issue for every receiver in that lineup. All that being said, Lucky Whitehead's given an opportunity to be a playmaker again in BC under Rick Campbell. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, the Bombers' passing offense was not there last year, but um, so I, I don't think there was a lot of opportunity for guys. I don't think they had a one thousand yard receiver even. And Kenny wasn't. I think Kenny Lawler was was the leading receiver, if I yeah, recall, like as a rookie, fifty or something yeah, like that. as a rookie. So they didn't have. But Lucky Whitehead. I mean, we knew he had speed. We saw him on kick returns. He has been awesome for BC in two games, breaking long runs. Two consecutive games, us over, uh, I think over, where's my game log here? Where's the stupid thing? I think over 100 yards, which uh, is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, he had a 136 in the first game, 108. And he's got 11 catches for 244 yards. So um, we knew he had speed. Um, he's got a quarterback who can get him the ball now. And Mike Riley, even though... You know, we're not going to get it. That way. He has a quarterback who can get on the ball. If Mike Riley has, arm is working properly, which it seemed to be yesterday. So uh, good for him. I see him having success. I, we were big fans of his um, here last year. Oh, hey, I meant to mention this earlier, and I don't know how we got sidetracked, but that does happen. A uh, couple of hockey notes. Joe Thornton signs a one-year deal in Florida. Cue the retirement home jokes. Um, there's been plenty of them already. Um, but speaking of Weber, an interesting tweet from Ken earlier today, Michael, that um, the Winnipeg Jets apparently and Evgeny, Evgeny Svechnikov of the uh, former Detroit Red Wings have some mutual interest. I'll read the tweet. Hearing there is mutual interest between the Jets and former Red Wings for Evgeny, Evgeny Svechnikov. Spinorama Hockey was on this earlier today. Svechnikov, who turns 25 in October, was the 19th overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft and has five goals, 12 points in 41 NHL games. He's a right winger and shoots left. What's interesting about this, Reem, I was on with the guys yesterday on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, and we were doing a segment on, is there anything left amongst unrestricted free agents? And, you know, the name Svechnikov stands out because immediately you think of Svechnikov, who's an RFA with the Carolina Hurricanes, as a former, what, second or third overall pick. And this is the other Svechnikov. And the fact that he is available, somewhat interesting, and I don't know what you want to take from that, considering how bad the Detroit Red Wings were. Um, but obviously the Winnipeg Jets are going to look for another player or two that can, can round out the lineup, can potentially play at times, can potentially be in the press box. And, um, that was an interesting name just because he's 25 years old and 
pretty much 95% of the legit UFAs still out there and on the market are well above 30. Yeah, and we saw one of those nine today, Joe Joe yeah, Thornton. Above 40, in fact. Uh, above 40. So, uh, I mean, you got to dig deep. And I see people writing in chat that he was line mates with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois in Cape Breton. And um, so if you're trying to find trying a way to get that guy jump-started, or maybe you can find the magic uh, again at the NHL level. I mean, it's possible. 19th overall pick. So there's some talent there. And maybe you find a guy who it hasn't worked out and maybe needs some you know, need to be in the right situation uh, to put it all together, you know, to become a productive NHLer. All right. I do want to touch on a quick baseball note. A tough loss for the Blue Jays last night. Shohei Otani, the MVP, uh, getting it done on the mound, getting it done at the plate. The Jays lose and they end up splitting the four game series two and two. As we mentioned, the Jays move on to Seattle, take on the Mariners tonight, 9-10 first pitch. For those of us here in Winnipeg, you can see that one on Sportsnet. Uh, but Remo was the Field of Dreams game yesterday. And I, I'll i be honest, I knew that this was coming. It was sort of off my radar. Um, I was still doing the show on, in Calgary yesterday when it started, although we were in a break and I did see the players come out, which looked really cool. Um, I know a lot of people love the Kevin Costner speech. I thought that, well, I thought it was appropriate because I thought it was quite corny, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> on the field of corn. Um but I'll tell you what, what a baseball game. And um, the visuals were amazing. I mean, this really was sort of like the NHL's or baseball's, baseball's version of that Tahoe game uh, that looked so cool with the Avalanche and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights earlier this year. Uh, and then we got, I mean, as memorable a regular season baseball game as we'll have in a long time. Uh, if you have not seen this, folks, uh, you need to go back, check the uh, MLB app, get the highlights Going into the top of the ninth inning, the White Sox are up seven to four. The Yankees hit a two-run home run to get within one. Joey Gallo walks and brings up Giancarlo Stanton. And Stanton hits a no-doubter into the cornfields to put the Yankees up 8-7. And it looked like it was kind of a storybook, incredible ninth inning rally by the Yankees to get the W. But they still needed three outs. White Sox get a runner on, and then Tim Anderson puts it into the corn. Huge celebration. Walk-off home run into the fields. Uh, this was a magical night for many, many reasons. But I'll tell you what, Remo, the real-life drama on the diamond in that ninth inning was something I don't think anybody that was watching the game is going to forget anytime soon. Yeah, the visuals of that game were so cool. You know, I'm not a big... Um... Field of Dreams guy. I don't know about you. Not a big Kevin Costner guy, but I think you can appreciate the movie, appreciate, you know, what was going on there, uh, you know, building that stadium. Uh, pretty cool, you know, seeing the the balls into the corn. You do get chills watching this picture. I'll pull it up again of these guys coming out of the field. I mean, the putting the White Sox in, um, you know, the 1919 whatever, Shoeless Joe, uh, Unis, or was it 1990? That, or is that Little Brown Jug? I might be might be confusing <laughs> confusing both. my, my ears. It's both. <laughs> confusing. But, uh, yeah, it's super, super cool and um, amazing visuals. And I think that uh, I hope they do more stuff uh, like this. I don't know what, what you would do next, but everyone was talking about it yesterday, and uh, I think it was obviously a, a big success. 
wild, wild game. Uh, baseball is going to be fun to follow, especially the Blue Jays going into this weekend and the next few weeks. Is uh, you know, even if they don't make it in, I've said this before. I think with the additions that they've made um, and the bright future for this baseball team, all of these games with the playoff type feel are going to be great for the club, whether they make it or not, going into the long run. But if they can make it, they're going to be a very scary team to play in the Major League Baseball playoffs. Um, all right, we've got a couple things to do before the end of the program, and that includes a marble race. Uh, we will finish with that, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. We're going to be doing a number of game day giveaways, but don't forget, uh, you can get the great taste of CC at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart and at the game tonight. Um, CC, Jim Beam, Brugal Rum, Salsa Tequila, all available as part of the Beam Suntory team. Great sponsors of ours, so enjoy responsibly and safely at tonight's game. Um, have we missed anything uh, that you need takes on before we uh, get to a, a great finale to an amazing week here on the program, Reem? No, I think I'm good. Do I have anything I need to talk about? Um... I'm just really disappointed in Billy Levi Mitchell sinking my <laughs> fantasy lineups. I was I way knew. too. I thought it, he would. You know what? I thought he would have like a decent game. Like I would thought, okay, yeah, yeah maybe that's why throws, you played him. I'm, I thought he would throw for like maybe like two fifty yards and like two touchdowns and like a pick or something like that would have been fine. But like zero touchdowns, <laughs> three picks. Give me a like. Come on, I just I thought this guy was the best QB in the league. I know he hasn't been a great fantasy QB, but Calgary, they're in trouble, uh, and I'll go on. I'll go on. <laughs> hey, how, shout out to everybody in chat. Oh, I see the Gitches in the house. Sean Lishka, there's a guy that loves the great taste of CC. I will tell you that. Um, so this is how it's going to work. Uh, we will. Uh, okay, you need to be 18. I know most people are of age, but anyone yeah. that is under 18, <laughs> judging by our analytics, uh, we don't have too many. <laughs> YouTube tells us we don't have anyone under 18 in here. Maybe yeah. a couple. <laughs> Um, and the other thing is you have to be in the local Winnipeg area because you're going to have to pick it up. We will arrange pickup at some point next week, uh, but it's a great package. It's the I Love Rye package from our friends at Canadian Club. It'll have some of that good stuff, CC. Um, let's see here. I believe some glasses and M&M. Let's see here. I've got it all. We've got it, the rye package. Yes, uh, CC 100% rye, an M&W t-shirt, some golf balls, glasses, and a toque, all with the I Love Rye logo. And uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's all random, but there's a few people in this chat that I know are huge fans of CC that would be perfect to get in on it. So everyone, uh, Remo, you get your incredible world-class elite typing skills ready. I will start firing to you the names as soon as you can tell me you're ready. And in the meantime, everybody that is in the chat right now, just uh, put in a chat that you're here. Confirm that you're over 18 and in Winnipeg that you want to be in. And uh, I'll start reading about Remo, rattle them in. Hopefully we'll catch everybody and then we will be good to go. Uh, Remo, you let me know as soon as you're um, ready and I will start firing okay. them away. So usually we like to start with uh, you and me in there. And sure. um, just, do you want to do that again? And then are we putting like yeah. the Canadian uh, and, club bottle or what? Uh, no, no. Put in Desiree. Desiree, uh, the gold medalist. She will represent uh, represent CC. So uh, yeah. Huss, Des, and Remus, if they win, it will go to the second place, uh, the second place marble. 
And other than that, yeah. uh, I will start reading out some names and uh, we'll get going. You tell me as soon as you're ready. I'm, and not, as I'm fast ready. As you can get I won't it. have the tight. Did I put the typing cam on or, or uh, are we good? It, We're it, good. It, it, it's up to you. You're the producer. Let's, let's see if my phone is, is alive here. Oh, I got battery. I got battery. I know. I, we're fine. We're fine. Uh, I don't yeah, know. It's, I should have set it up before, but we're good. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Let's do this. Uh, here we go. Uh, Just we'll go, as, a- go as quick as you can. Just list them <laughs> okay. off. Okay. 18 over par. Schickster. Yeah. Jeff Kabilis. Bravo Bry. Layton. Rob Mahoney. Gitch. Kitty Pop. Eric H. T. Will. Andrew Haleko, Andrew H. Uh, we've got uh, Chuck WPG, uh, Brown Eyed Girl, uh, Basplit. Uh, we've got Kevin Gurton, Adam Drawward, Jeff Johnson, Bravo Bry, who's, t- who's tweeting about Gitchcoin. Yeah, I love it. Keith S. Uh, our own little queen of the chat, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Uh, we've got Ryan, we got Jeff in there, uh, do, 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 uh, Roger Quinnell, uh, Russ Lowen, Bart Omond, yeah. Frosty, Tracy O, uh, do, 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 keep going down, I think we've got most of these, oh, we've got Alan, uh, do, 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 sorry, I just missed one, where was that? Uh, did it, did we get Adam Drawward? Yeah, we got him. We got him. We got him. Okay. Okay. Tacos. Yeah. Do do do. Uh, Shane Shane Mason. Yeah. Mark Sports Video. Yeah. Greg M. Yeah. Um, uh, just looking to see Chris Vermet. Uh, Matt Bergen. And by the way, shout out to Matt. I did see your, I meant to get to your comment earlier. Matt, normally listening on podcasts, but today joining us on YouTube. Great to have you here, Matt. Tough to be on YouTube as you're driving a bus. I hear you. Uh, Jeffrey Conkerwood, uh, Klassen. I'm not sure if we did. Did we do T-Will already? I think yeah, we, we did. did. Him. We did. Him. Roger Quinnell. Oh, uh, ba- oh BTP. Bad Takes Paris. Oh. What up, Bad Takes? Uh, Albin. Albane, yeah. Manny Fran, uh, let's see, uh, Klassen. Yeah, we got uh, No, him. I'm just reading it from the chat, Klassen, if you're wondering, and I'm just going down through these yeah, just we, making sure we, we try to get everyone to hear. Uh, Spund MC, JP Miron, Manny yeah. Fran. Yeah, we got him. iHeart Gaming, and uh, Jackie Zadell. Jackie will get you in. Uh, Zach Charnecki. Oh, of course, Tristan Rivers music, and get Mitch in the God. I was just about to say the Godfather, Mitch W H T. Oh, John H is in, and the final one is Andy Steven. All right, okay. we got here. We th- go. Yeah, we got uh, forty nine names okay, here. Okay, excellent. Now, courtesy of our great new partners, Beam Suntory Canadian Club Whiskey. It's one hundred percent rye. We all love rye, and as someone is going to get the I love rye package with the uh, with the marble race to finish up a great week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Again, if you're coming in a little bit late, folks, uh, got a really nice tweet from Robert. And uh, Robert, if you're still listening, thanks so much. This is uh, 
uh, you know, it means a lot because I was so excited about this one today. Uh, he said, uh, at Hustlerama, uh, in my humble opinion, Andrew, this is the best interview you've ever done. Desiree Scott recounting the team's Olympic journey gave me chills. She was fabulous. Amen to that. Thank you very much. But that wasn't me. That is, um, you know, one of just the, the great athletes, people, ambassadors we have in our city. And uh, it was just a pleasure to have uh, Des on. And another reason why I hope to see you all at the game tonight, because um, this city is going to be on their feet, welcoming out Desiree and her gold medal before the Bombers and Argos kick off tonight. All right, Reem, how are we doing? We uh, we ready to go? Have you picked a new course, something good? Yeah, you know what? I did, um, last time we did this, I hadn't driven for a while, the race. So I tested it out last night, got some practice runs in, picked a couple, uh, sampled a couple courses, and I think I have a good one here. So we will bring in, we will bring in the marbles. Uh, here, here we, we are. Go. Let's do a little slide in. Whoa, there we are. <laughs> the slide. Yeah. So okay, we've I, got everybody in. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, I will tease this. We have, especially for you people that really love Rye, we have an incredible prize that we are going to be doing a promo. It's something that I didn't want to just do quickly on a game day. Um, we'll probably utilize social media or maybe get people to send in a photo of them being subscribed to one of our channels and we'll put together because it is, uh, I will officially launch it next week, but I'm telling you, you Rye lovers, you make sure you're with us next week because uh, we've got a great promotion beginning with our friends at CC. But it's Friday afternoon. It is a bomber game day. Everybody's here with us in the chat. We've had an amazing week. It is time to give something away with the world-famous WST Marble Race for our friends at Canadian Club. The I Love Rye Package will uh, get in touch with you. If you do win, uh, of course, it's tough to send messages on YouTube, so we'll identify the winner afterwards, and we'll get you to, to uh, just be in touch with us. We'll arrange some sort of a pickup or drop-off at some point next week. Uh, but, Reem, without further ado... You, me, Desiree Scott are in. The three of us are ineligible to win. Everybody else, if you're first in, you will be today's winner of the great I Love Rye package with Canadian Club. Without further ado, I will turn the starting duties over to the CTO. All right, we are in the funnel. This is the race. I'm going to do my best to drive. Huss, you're doing the play-by-play. -play. The names will be in the top right of the top five, I think. And whoever gets in the basket at the end is the winner. All right, let's start it off. And we're off. Marble time. Andy Steven, Zach Charnecki, Christopher Met. Uh, the start always somewhat important. But at the end, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Let's take a look here over on the uh, on the other side. So, yeah. Russ Lowen. So we will Taylor's wait. Taylor's right in there. Yeah. Leighton, Bravo Bry. It's all about getting down into the tube first. And it's Russ Lowen who has the lead. Leighton right behind her. Mitch from Winnipeg Hockey Talk. Chuck WPG looking good. They all go on the right side. Uh, we've got Chuck taking the left lane right now. Russ Lowen still in the lead. Leighton Janice neck and neck right now as they get back into the fork and back into the same lane. Leighton Janice, Russ Lowen, Mitch WHT, and Chuck Winnipeg are our top four right now going through the corkscrew as the rest of the 
pack tries to catch up to our leaders. Just a great neck-and-neck battle between Leighton and Russ Lowen with Mitch now right into the mix. It is a three-horse race with Taylor Yule hot on their tail. This one, folks, is going to come right down to the final stretch. They make it through that purple stuff, whatever it is. Leighton is in the lead right now. Another corkscrew trying to get into that next one. And uh, it looks like Mitch. Oh, see ya. Oh, oh, over the top rope. Mitch has been eliminated. Leighton right now. Oh, this is a great course. This is a good one, Remus. Rob Mahone is in there. Chuck, Leighton, Brown Eye Girl, MJD. Oh, the entire Winnipeg Sports Talk chats, it seems right now, is neck and neck. Uh, but Leighton now has a lead followed by 18 over par pod and brown eyed girl. All the regulars doing very, very well. But right now it is Leighton Janice as the player to beat on the left side right now. Could disaster be waiting or will this be victory for Leighton going in? Could it be victory is just about there if he stay if she stays straight? And I do believe we have a winner. It is Leighton. Second place is going to Brown Eyed Girl. 18 over par pot in third place. Frosty Winnipeg, Chuck, Rob Mahone, Shane Mason. What an incredible victory. And uh and Leighton. Now, I know, Leighton, you're usually in Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, hopefully you're still in Winnipeg because um, we'll need to uh, we'll need to get you that prize. That was an exhilarating, exhilarating marble race, Reem. And I got to tell you, um, great job picking the track. That was one of the best ones we've had so far. That was really good. And my driving has improved uh, for the camera angles, but that was a great track. And you were excellent on the call. We could clearly see. So I may have to uh, tweet. Tweet that one. Oh, that was a good finish, Leighton. What? No, uh, no photo finish there. Quite far ahead of everyone else. Uh, just a dominating, dominating performance by Leighton Janice. Uh, incredible work. Uh, Gitch, Gitch is going to take a long, long look in the mirror. You know, it's so funny. Look at Des. Des Scott is somehow coming in now. I don't know what happened to Desiree, but it's a good thing she's a heck of a lot better on the international soccer pitch as opposed to being. A, uh, a marble in our race. Um, mm. But as I said, this was awesome and just an amazing way to end such a great week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Are you at the game tonight, Reem? I am going to the game, yes. I will yes. Uh, I will be there. So uh, I'm looking, uh, looking forward to it. And uh, I got some fantasy lineups in. I'm going to make sure I take a couple bombers and also uh, enjoy. Oh, did we do a showdown for the game? Yeah, it might be full right now. I invited oh, you, sorry. Yeah. Damn, I, I can make another I'm... one with 20 people. I'm happy to make a second one. I did I'm a 20. Check. Yeah, it's full. We did 20 people. Who's in there? Um, I think Mitch got in there. BA Splits in there. Some of our regular guys are in there. I don't know if Mitch got in there. I could just do another one. I mean, 20 people. It'll it'll run if it it doesn't fill anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm down for that. So okay. anyways, if you are in the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk lead, we'll crank out another showdown. This will just yeah. be $3 contest for tonight's game. I need a bit of action because Bo 
took care Screwed of uh, me. my Ruined hopes my to go back to back to back, back to back. It's a good thing I had a nice week last week. So uh, just taking away some of it. Um, Everyone, if you're coming in right now and you missed the first part of the program, please do me a favor. Make sure you go back and watch the Desiree Scott interview. One of them, our favorites that we've ever had here on the program. And she is just the best. We'll look forward to uh, getting on our feet and giving her the ovation that she so richly deserves in her hometown tonight at IG Field. And then, uh, Remo, stick a few extra koozies in your pocket tonight for um, for some of our listeners. I will be packing both of my pockets with some koozies. So if you see me at the game, ask me for one. If I've got one, I will give them to you. They went quite early last game, but I think everyone was there so early because of the start. It was a uh, maybe a little bit of a unique situation. Anyways, hopefully we'll see you over there by the Brugal Rum Hut and the Jim Beam Stillhouse. We'll certainly be in that area in and around halftime, potentially before the game. And uh, overall, should be a fantastic night out at IG Field for so many reasons. And uh, going into a great weekend, Remo, and then we are back next week. And uh, fingers crossed, I think we should have some pretty big-name Winnipeg Jets joining us on the program as uh, we get ready for training camp next week. Of course, the Bombers heading to Toronto. And we'll start getting into a lot more NFL talk as well as we've got preseason games this weekend. And, of course, we are starting to get into fantasy football season so we'll have some fantasy content as well, getting everybody ready for their drafts. Um, man, it's been an awesome, awesome week. A great show today. Um, can't thank everyone uh, enough for all the support. If you can't, make sure, if you haven't already, hit that like button. That's the thumbs up here in the YouTube chat. Make sure you've hit subscribe and hit that bell too, because in days like yesterday where we go on early, you're going to want to know that, the crew is going live. You can simply do that by making sure that bell's on. And uh, folks, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Show them how to subscribe. Show them how to listen to us on the podcast or on YouTube. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, I'm rocking the, uh, I will be wearing this tonight. The store is open. These hoodies are amazing. Go to winnipegsports.com and click on store and get one for yourself. Um, We'll see you tonight at the game. Thanks to Ed Tate. Special thanks to the Queen of Winnipeg gold medalist, Desiree Scott. We'll see her at the game tonight, and uh, we'll see all of you back here at 1 o'clock next Monday for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.